They're hot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Monday Movie Night Raw, the podcast where we talk about WWE studio movies. I'm your host, Miles Messenger Platt. Joining me today is my guest, Matt Brown. Hello. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. No problem. So before we... Um, well, go ahead. So you're visiting here from Lansing. Right. Um, we're... Uh, you're you're flying out of Detroit tomorrow, right? I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow to have a fun weekend. Oh, cool! Who are you visiting in Atlanta? I'm visiting my friend Angel. Um, oh, I know Angel. He's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's gonna treat me well because it's my birthday weekend, and I don't know. Oh what, my god, I forgot it's doing. your birthday this weekend. Yeah, well, my birthday is on Tuesday, but oh, I'm, next Tuesday. Yeah, because it's Wednesday today. Right, yeah. Oh, cool. That's exciting. I didn't know yeah. he lived in Atlanta. Yeah, he's going to law school down there. Oh, yeah. he's a smart cookie, that law angel. School, yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's <laughs> exciting. Um, hopefully your flight doesn't get delayed. I really hope not, but my flight's at like noon tomorrow, so if it gets yeah. delayed, it's not too bad. And you're sta- and you're here staying over, I'm going to give you a ride to the airport tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I don't have to work. Like, I, like, remember how you didn't know mm-hmm. if I was going to have to or not? I don't have to. Awesome. So... Yeah, um, I have a little correction from last episode. I said that John Noble was the director of Lord of the Rings, but I know that's wrong. It's Peter Jackson. Um, John Noble played Denethor. But yeah, so I just wanted to correct myself. And I said it like 15 minutes into it, so I feel like people probably turned it off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like was fucking it up. So yeah, okay, so thanks for joining me today. It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited about this movie because I love this movie, and I'm glad we were able to reschedule because last time you we weren't able to make it because you got sick. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm still a little bit sick, but not as sick, so... Oh, really? Like, the same illness? Yeah, this, the same illness. Same prognosis. Um, oh, God. Another year, and... Then, no, that was a bad joke, but... <laughs> you have a year left to live. <laughs> right. Oh, God. So, what did you think of the movie? Did you think it was funny? I thought it was a I, lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot more cringy Mm -hmm. um it was pretty honest it was pretty honest earnest and earnest and um i originally thought that it was going to be a movie like from the 80s i didn't realize it was going to be like a new movie a new movie but it takes place in the past right yeah period drama a period drama Mm -hmm. yeah i i i thought i had a lot of twists and turns i wasn't expecting the plot I wasn't expecting a lot of what happened, you know? Right. I thought it was going to be just about, like, bullying. I didn't yeah. expect it to be about further issues that I don't know if I should bring up right now or we should the, wait the, until the... The homosexual The homosexuality, yes. I didn't know if that was going to be, like, the aha moment of the podcast, like, the oh, like the like, turn, like you know? Like, get, like no. people weren't going to expect it, but... We're going to okay. get... We can give it away. Okay. But, I mean, we, we'll, we'll reveal it more slowly from here on out. Right. Right. So we can just jump right into the movie if you want to. Yeah. Okay, so it's the film, first we see that's inspired by true events. So we know that this is like some real shit. But I'm like, isn't all creative writing inspired by true events? Like you take your personal experience and turn it into writing. So it's kind of like, because they're not real characters, right? They're fiction. I believe so. They I mean, they seem real though because they give them I those know. bios at the end. Yeah, the bios at the end kind of threw me off because I was like, "Oh, like is this for real?" But then like some of the bios were like way too like over <laughs> I the top. Oh, and gonna, I, was, I have them written down so we can read them later. <laughs> um, so the font is kind of dope. It's like some '60s font. It's feeling cool. So then we see like this like 
um, old TV set and it's like playing different clips from the 60s like get us mm-hmm. set up get us feeling like we're in the groove right? right so we're feeling pretty groovy at this point so we're seeing like civil rights movement stuff and Miss America and like old ads and like f- football some space age shit so this takes place in 1965 so like the civil rights movement thing is like just happening mm-hmm. but it kind of doesn't really get no I <laughs> I was kind of I mean like the whole school seemed pretty chill in terms of like the black the black and white like hanging out like didn't really seem a bit any segregation at all and this was like the beginning of integration in schools right it was like kind of like wait but yeah and then they like kind of bring it up a little bit because they like say they're like (laughs) uh andrew says the n-word right or whatever he's well so um and i feel like this beginning with the tv kind of goes on for too long i was like it was like 20 seconds too long i was like I was like, it kept changing channels or whatever, and I was like, is this the movie? <laughs> to be honest, I was uh, putting in my laundry during the beginning the opening, of the movie, the so I uh, I kind of missed that part. To the, the bop, right? Yeah. So it fades out, and then we see like Courier font go across the screen as the narrator talks. So it's like, it's supposed to be like typewriter font. It's like, but it's like clearly that like window that like word courier. Mm-hmm. So then it's like. Um, it has been said that children are cruel. So goes the tale of Big G. And then, okay, it, it's supposed to be the tale of Big G, but then he's not even in the movie that much. I know, and I originally thought that the narrator was, was Big G. Yeah, I, exactly. It's confusing at the beginning who right. the narrator is. It's not clear, and the editing doesn't help. So, like, it'll he'll be talking, it'll just be showing, di- like, the narrator will be talking, it'll just be showing different kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who is it? Who is this old guy? So... Um, so then, da, 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 so we open up a shot, it's like Ed Harris, our good old friend Ed Harris, um, from Westworld. <laughs> Wait, who? He's, uh, the man in black in Westworld. Mr. Simon is. Oh, he's the teacher. Oh my God. I did not know yeah. that. Well, yeah, I didn't know him as an actor before Westworld. That's like what I know him from. Right. And he was like really straight in Westworld. So like, I didn't. Oh yeah. He's I a good didn't. actor. What do you think he like comes off as kind of well, gay in this movie? No, I, that was a bad joke, but <laughs> <laughs> I can joke about that because I'm a homosexual. But um, well, straight people can too. That's debatable. But um, well, oh my god. Oh, you know Tim Gunn. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking he was Tim Gunn because he has that Tim Gunn fashion. vibe in the movie. Yeah, the the fashion. Yeah, definitely I agree because he wears a bow tie every scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. We find out that Big G stands for Big Ginger. <laughs> so I did not catch that. Yeah, um, and the narrator explains that ginger is a derogatory term for redheads. So, and he's like, uh, he's like, he had a head of flaming red. No, make that orange hair. So he's very politically correct, very PC of him. So, um, and I'm, okay, when I picked this movie, I didn't know it was gonna be like about me. Like I didn't know it was gonna be like. Okay, when I when I, <laughs> I started watching this movie and I saw Big G, I was like, did Miles pick this because he is a tall ginger? <laughs> no, I, I absolutely did not. It was okay, but then it, I'm watching it in like the first like five minutes of the movie, and it's like, wait, that like. It, all right, for my listeners at home, if you don't know what I look like, just look up Big G. That's what <laughs> I am. And that's literally what I look like, is that guy. Except his ears are, your ears are bigger. (laughs) (laughs) They're prosthetic, I think, the ones they have I think so, too, yeah. They look pretty good, though, don't you think? I liked them, yeah. You liked the ears? (laughs) I wouldn't have made fun of him for the ears. No, well, and they, I don't know, they look pretty big and, like, almost like a disease. And then his (laughs) 
acne is so bad it looks like it hurts but i think it's just makeup oh i thought he just had like a really red a, face a, rose, a rosacea rosacea yeah thing going on so and then the narrator's like uh, Big G was a foot taller than everybody else in his grade and had big ears, red hair, right? So we're getting the picture. So then he's like, Clark Gable had big ears and Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball had red hair, um, but both were blessed with a beautiful face, but not Big G. And I'm like, the act, the little actor, the gentleman that plays him is a fine, he's a handsome young lad. I didn't think he was ugly, no. Oh, I think he's, he's one got- of those people that doesn't look conventionally handsome, I guess, but yeah, he has the look that I could see... I don't know. He. I don't think he was ugly. I thought he looked different, but in a really cool, like an interesting, way. yeah, run, like walk a runway or something. Right. I was just gonna say I could see him modeling for some company that. Oh yeah. Goes for that vibe. Definitely. So, and then the narrator says again, "Did I mention children are cruel?" Because we like gotten this little image of what Big G looks like. So, oh shit, some shit's gonna go down with Big G. People are not nice to him. So Ed Harris stops reading. He's reading Joan of Arc to the class. Mm-hmm. And he stops reading it for the last minutes of class. He wants to talk about their final project. And he says that they're going to work in teams of two, but he's going to pick the teams because he wants it to be fair because people are rude in middle school, right? So Ed Harris is picking the teams himself. Everyone in class moans or moans and groans like, right? And I'm like, so, like, if a teacher told you to do something, would you be so rude and groan audibly in class? That's never happened in my experience in school. You would just bitch about it after class. Right. Right. So, w- did you like doing group projects in school? Absolutely not. A lot of no. people don't like them. I've never minded them. I, I've i only had a few good groups, and that was because um, people were involved. A lot of times when I'm in group projects, no one wants to be involved, and either no one wants to be the group leader, or someone wants to yeah. be the group leader, and then they take control, and then everyone just feels uncomfortable. Right, there's like a lack of leadership in and- I'm taking a management class this... Um, so you guys probably have to do a lot of group projects right now. Oh, it's online, which is a great part. <laughs> but I was going to say, we learn about like group projects and everything. And um, like there's a thing called groupthink where um, someone will become the leader and they'll start making all the decisions, but people will, if they don't agree with their decisions, they won't say anything about it. They'll just like be like okay yeah but then everyone like after the group is done everyone's like oh my god that's such a fucking terrible idea yeah and i don't know what i'm just saying is i don't like group work group i like is a it real because problem. like you end up just having to do like one part of the project you have like three slides of some google powerpoint that you have to throw on the like file with everybody else's and then you turn it in and you get a grade and if everybody does a decent three slides or whatever boom there's your a and you did like a quarter of a project i do feel like uh, group projects are like a guise to get teachers to because they're lazy to just grade less papers. Oh, absolutely, like I agree. Papers to yeah. grade or less if you do groups of three, right? So, oh, and he even says, right, this is what I was talking about that each team gets one grade, so he's not even grading them individually. So it seems like he's just get, got his tenure and he's just a lazy mm-hmm. little bitch. So, um, we find out Mr. Nickel will be working with Mr. Minor, so that's Andy, um, who's the movie's actually about, not Big G. And Minor, Mr. Minor is Big G's uh, name. His name's Stanley Minor, right? Right. Got Andy Nickel, Stanley Minor. So um, Ed Harris steps in and tells everyone, oh, because so he's like, Mr. Nickel and Mr. Minor will be working together. And then everybody in class starts laughing and like pointing <laughs> at Big G. It's just like fucking mean. And then um, be like nudging Andy because I guess he's cool. And then 
Ed Harris steps in and tells everybody to be quiet, and there's no reason for this behavior. And so um, Mr. Simon is like, oh, he stops uh, Andy as he's walking out of class, and he's like, I want you to know I paired you with Stanley for a good reason, and I hope you won't disappoint me. So he's like up for the challenge, right? So And then Andrew's worried that he won't be a good partner for Big G because Stanley's really smart, and he doesn't want to mess his grade up. Um, and then Ed Harris says that he thinks Andy's a good writer and a keen observer, and underneath his terrible grammar and atrocious spelling lies a great writer, which I think is something we can all relate to. I think, um, well, I don't know if you're really, a, you're not much of a writer, are you? Oh, I used to be a huge writer when right. I was little, yeah. That's Yeah, so then I think, like, yeah, a lot of people do get stuck behind, like, because you'll notice, like, there's, there's editors for writing and stuff, mm -hmm. but, like, if you have a bunch of comma splices and, like, um, run-on sentences and... Uh, fragment sentences like people don't want to read your work because it doesn't flow correctly yeah like you don't notice good grammar but you notice bad grammar so i think yeah i think a lot of people are good writers but they like genuinely their work is like subpar because it doesn't have good yeah. grammar um so and then andy's like really you think that and then ed harris is like yeah do you enjoy writing and andy says yes the making up the story part at least and ed harris says if you like something you're good at then the first thing you have to do is define what you want to be and Ed Harris tells Andy to repeat after him, I'm a writer, that's what I am. So that's the title of the movie. Which I did not realize until the end of the movie when I saw the credits. Because like I said, I was doing laundry at the beginning of the film. <laughs> so and I did not see what all the this exposition title was. Lost on you. And throughout the movie, they would use the phrase, that's what I am. Yeah. And I never picked up that they were saying the title of the movie. Yeah, right. It's like a yeah. catchphrase thing. Yeah. So... And I like this moment because I feel like I like that whole uh, like message of the movie that you have to like say what you are because I think a lot of people are like afraid to be like oh I'm an artist or like I'm a musician or like I'm a podcaster or like I I'm a writer because they mm -hmm. don't want to seem like pompous or like seem like they're like too good you know what I mean like they yeah. want to come off like their work is so great that they can call themselves that but I feel like if you don't call yourself something then nobody's gonna call you that you know what I mean yeah like you have to be your biggest cheerleader and the as soon as you start saying that you're an artist or a musician or whatever, then you are one. There's no yeah. reason for anyone to deny it. You start believing it and yeah. you start getting good at it because that's exactly. what you are. Absolutely. That's what I am. So then, um, so Andy's supposed to like repeat after him and be like, um, I am a writer. That's what I am. And then he's like, oh, no, no, do it again. <laughs> Stand up straight. Take a deep breath. And then he's like, I am a writer. That's what I am. And then he's like, um, good work. Excellent. Now go write. Da -da -ba -ba -da. And, then and then the narrator is back. And he's like, despite all that was so painful and humiliating in my life, Big G seemed to command respect. No matter what, he maintained a certain nobility about him, at least in the eyes of those few sensitive enough to look. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was not one of those few. Which, um, so then it shows a kid squirting Big G with a mm -hmm. water gun in the crotch. So I felt like that was implying that that kid was the narrator. Because he's like, unfortunately, I was not one of those few. And then we see a kid squirting oh, him yeah. with a gun. So I was like, oh, that's the kid. Andy is just this other thing. And, right. No. And then, it, and then it shows Andy again. And I'm like, oh, maybe it is him. So then it becomes clearer later on, obviously, yeah. pretty quickly. But I'm like... At this point, I thought it was a little confusing. It was the like editing that they picked the wrong shot. They should have showed Andy first. I don't know. So then um, the kid's like, hurt her. Looks like he wet his pants because he like sprayed him in the crotch with the water gun. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It looks like he got squirted in the pants with a water gun. It doesn't right. look the same. When you piss your pants, it's like a lot of piss. And it usually is going down like one pant leg or something. Mm -hmm. um, so. See, I think it would have been funnier if um, 
they originally squirted his crotch, and then when he was walking away, they would have squirted like his, his butthole. Butt. And yeah, been like, oh my god, BG, Big G has diarrhea. Like, I mean, <laughs> I think that would be more believable. Yeah, I think so too. I think you'd, you'd make a good bully. I think Were you so a bully too. In middle school, man? No, but a lot of people bullied me. And, um, same. I always think of ways to get back at them. <laughs> like, I could have squirted them in their butthole. Right. Um, like a bidet. And so, Big G, oh, then he just walks away and he, like, has a straight face and, like, doesn't care and, like, just silently walks away. So, Big G is a G, right? He is a G. What a G. So, cut to uh, this big, mean kid in a yellow polo shirt, and he's being mean to this smaller kid, Norman, mm-hmm. Big G's friend. <laughs> and the older kid's like, the bigger kid's like, I want a sandwich. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that literally, like, I was so jarring when I heard that. I was like, wait, what the fuck? And um, so the kid's name's Norman. We taught that. And then he's like, um, I asked my mom for another sandwich. Um, if I ask my mom for another sandwich, she'll know what's up. She already gives me two, two. as it is. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're a little fat kid. Like, fucking give the other kid your sandwich. Um, yeah. So, um, like, yeah, you don't need both sandwiches. So then the kid's like, sandwich in a candy bar. Like, <laughs> literally, like, a disgusting kid. So then Norman's like, a candy bar? Are you nuts? My mom won't give me a candy bar no matter how many times you beat me up. Hello, my dad's a dentist, remember? Why don't you just cut off my arm and snack on that, Sam? So uh, I'm like, damn, I like Norman. He's a, he'll go off. So um, then Sam turns the kid around and gives him a wedgie. So, um, yeah. and he's like, nice, right? Bro, oh, wedgie, bro. And so then Andy comes walking on the stairs and he sees what happened. And then Norman's getting his wedgie. And he's like, I'll do your homework. Please stop. And Sam's like, some other kid does my homework. I'll take cash. And then Norman with his like loaded DDS dad is like, oh, cash is no problem here. And then he <laughs> gives him some money. And then, um, Sam stops uh, giving uh, Norman a wedgie. So then, and then Sam's walking away, and he's like, "What up, Nickel?" And then um, Andy's like, "Hey, Sam." So I guess Andy's not a nerd. Like he doesn't get bullied. He's like right. a cool kid. I think he's yeah, he's cool, neutral. But but he continue continuously proves that he's a total nerd. He plays with uh, model airplanes later on. He works in like the front office like after school, and like he's mm-hmm. literally, like the biggest dork in the school. But everybody likes him for some reason. Not really sure what the appeal is there for Andy. Yeah, I don't see it either. Yeah, so... I could see him hanging at the um, the geek corner. Yeah, the geek corner. Yeah. Right. So um, Andy asks Norman if he's seen Big G, because they got to work on their project, right? Norman's like, why? Are you low on cooties? Or did you just want to see if he really did wet his pants? And Andy's like, we're on a school project together. Uh, chill. So then it's... Um, but it's nice that um, Norman's, like, defending Big G. Like, good that somebody is defending yeah. him. So um, Norman tells Andy he doesn't know how lucky he is to have Big G as a partner because G- Big G is the smartest kid in school. Next to me, says Norman. And I'm like, what a pompous little rich asshole. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Norman. I mean... He definitely did defend Big G, but I think later on in the movie... No, he kind of holds him back, I think. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah, I think I think he's one of those friends that, like, maybe Big G, like, established him as a friend, like, when he was feeling insecure. Yeah. Because he made him feel better about a lot of things, but, like, overall, Big G has grown as a person, and you outgrow people. So maybe he needs to drop Norman. But, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, so then Andy's, like, sick of Norman's shit, and he's like do you know where he is or not? And Norman says he's down in the corner waiting for his crotch to dry. So Norman stops Andy as he leaves and uh, says to Andy, hey, Nickel, Stanley is my best friend. He's not like anyone else. Don't, never mind. So very poignant. 
Norman's a good guy, right? Um, but also a dick. So very complex character. Yeah. We love him. So well, We love a complex character. Yes, like Norman. Um, and he's wearing the dorkiest fucking outfit. He's got this like red suede vest on and this like <laughs> red corduroy shirt. I'm like, dude, that kid's going to get his ass whooped. I mean, I like it. I would wear it, but like definitely was dorky back then. Yeah. So then the narrator explains uh, that. So Andy's headed to the corner, right? And the narrator explains it's geek corner, like you said. Uh, no Man's Land, the Grand Canyon of Cooties. It was referred to by many names. And once one steps in, there was no going back. So it's like a corner of the schoolyard where all the nerds hang out. And Andy's on the edge of the sidewalk, but doesn't want to touch the grass. Um, he sees Big G and shouts to him. He's like, Big G, over here. And then um, Big G just looks at Nickel, Andy. And then Andy looks around and then takes one step onto the grass. And then you hear everybody like around him like, gas. And be like, ooh, and like start laughing and shit. And it's, so it's like, Andy is officially uncool. Didn't take long at all. About 10 minutes into the movie. So right. um, Big G walked over to Andy and Andy asks when he wants to work on the project. And Big G says he's really busy and he has to go home after school. So I sense there's like some like home life issue there, right? Like he's like, he's like, I'm really busy. I got to go home. But then that's what I was thinking when I first watched it. But then nothing ever comes of that. Yeah, I we was going to say we never see his home. His that's home. what I mean about Big G being a minor character. Like we get to mm-hmm. go inside of Andy's life. Like we see him at home. We see him like getting out of bed. We see his like him eating dinner with his family. We never even see Big G's house so like i don't even know what he's living like so i don't really know maybe i'm just reading into that line but seemed like he was like i'm really busy after school can't hang out um so big g says that he knows andy doesn't want to work with him but and he can just do the project himself and no one has to know and then andy's like i think mr simon ed harris's character Mm -hmm. um would know if they didn't do it together so he's like i want to work on it with you and so then the next scene andy's mowing the lawn at home and his dad comes out the front door (laughs) and the narrator says uh, my father was a good man. He just wasn't very user-friendly. Okay. So, <laughs> now we know for sure that the narrator is Andy, right? Because right. he says, my father, and he's there at home. So, we got it. There he is. We tracked it. From here to there. Funny things are everywhere. So, Andy's dad is super strict. So, um, Andy says that his, like, the na- old Andy, the narrator, says that um, he's really good with computers. But, um, then again, computers came with a handbook. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andy missed a spot mowing the lawn, right? And his dad says um, he's a jughead. And then he explains that a jughead isn't stupid. It's someone who doesn't pay attention. So mm-hmm. Andy's dad says he'll mow the lawn and show Andy how to do it right. So Andy's watching for a second, and then he's like, fuck this. I'm yeah. out of here later, and goes and hangs out with his mom. Um, so he's in the kitchen cutting, and his mom's there cutting veggies. And she's the best. She's my favorite part of this. She's movie. very wholesome, yeah. She's so sweet and beautiful. So, yeah, I love her outfit. She's got, like, these yellow pants on, very modern woman, and then, like, yellow earrings to match. Mm-hmm. Love those. So um, Andy's complaining to her about how Big G um, has, is so busy all the time studying and working after school with for his dad, right? So um, he says he only studies in Geek Corner. And then his mom's like, Geek Corner? And Andy's like... Um, yeah, that's where they hang out. And she's like, who are they again? And <laughs> she's like, big, you know, Big G and his friends, Karen Connor, Norman Gunmeyer. And then his mom's like, geek corner, right? She's like calling him out. And then Andy's like, yeah, that's what they call it. And then she's like, literally like, they again, right. Andy? That's what you just called it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is such a good point. Like, how often do we use they when really it's like us are the ones talking the shit? Like, we're trying to pa- say they because we want to pass blame on mm-hmm. somebody else when really, like, we're part of the problem. It was a good little thing. So then Andy's like, um, 
uh, why would God do that to Big G? Make him look like that, and everyone makes fun of him. And then his mom, this is so beautiful. His mom says, maybe God didn't see anything wrong with him. And, uh, and then she says, and Andy, his name is Stanley. So she's a good God-fearing Christian woman, and she's a really sweet woman, and you can tell that she cares a lot mm-hmm. about making sure Andy is a well-rounded individual. So cut to, uh, they're walking to school the next day. It's Andy and Dan. And Dan is like, uh, there's three black kids in the school. Dan is one of them. And um, I guess he lives near town, near where Andy lives. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't so, know much about him. No, he's only got now. a few scenes. So Dan, But Dan's cool. We like Dan. Um, he kind of reminded me of um, Dean from Harry Potter. Like one of the very few black people in Harry Potter. <laughs> he reminded me of the black kid in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, I see that. No, I totally see that. Mm-hmm. I love that kid. What's his name? I don't, I remember, don't remember any other names. I really don't. Me neither. Except for 12. 11. <laughs> <laughs> 25. Um, so, um, so, oh, so we find out, um, Dan tells Andy that uh, Mr. Simon won a car from a writing contest, and he had to write um, about world peace in 25 words or less. Um, we don't get the details on that, just about... Just about yet, but we find out that it's a Pontiac, um, and then Dan says the most bitchin' car, according to Dan. So, and I'm like, was bitching really a term that they used in the okay, 60s? See, um, there was another scene in this movie where um, uh, the teacher, Mr. Simon, mm-hmm. uh, when the principal came into the room to talk to him, yeah. and he was like, what's up? Yeah. And I was like, they, they did not say that back no, then. No, I know. And just earlier, um, when the kid's bullying Norman, Andy walks down and he's like, what's up, Sam? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's weird. No, that's what I mean. Like, a lot of times this movie doesn't stick to, like, the period drama. Right. And I'm like, if you're going to do, a, like, that's, like, I'm not trying to, like, be a stickler about the history, but I feel like if you're going to choose to do, place it in the past, you have to be, like, consistent with yeah. it. Yeah. Or at least have a reason for doing that. Like, they don't make any mention of civil rights, really, except for they read a Langston Hughes poem later on and, like, talk a little bit and say Negro over and over in the... Yeah. It's really fucking weird. So um, then we see Mary Clear walking to school, too. So she's the hottest girl in school, and Andy is looking at her, and it's like, mm-hmm. So the narrator explains, um, yeah, that Mary's the hottest girl in school. And then it's super mean. He's like, if uh, Mary Clear is the hottest girl in school, then... Uh, Karen Connors is the nottest girl in school. (laughs) Like, poor Karen. And it's a grown ass man writing about his childhood. So I'm like, just leave the girl alone. What is wrong with you? So then, um, why do we need to compare? Why do we have to pit women against each other, right? So I'm just gonna white knight right through here. So he, um, (laughs) and then he also, this is so fucking mean. He says, Karen, if if Karen Connors and the Elephant Man were twins, Karen Connor would somehow look more homely. (laughs) My God. I did not pick up that line. Oh, my God. The narration has so many fucked up parts. I'm like, oh, my God. So fucking savage, fucking mean. So and I, so um, all the nerds get these, like, terrible costumes, and it's so depressing. Like, they couldn't just dress them nicely. She's got these know, giant braces. Yeah, like, she's got the stereotypical, like, yeah, she nerd like, braces. Yeah, um, yeah she, it's exactly like a cartoon. With the glasses and, like, the frizzy, frizzy hair. hair. Yeah. It's like Princess Diaries. Right. So, and she she's a beautiful girl. I don't know if she's Anne Hathaway, but here I am hitting women against each other. <laughs> yes, again. you are. So, uh, um, some kid with like this greaser haircut. We find out later it's Jason Friel, but he has this like outsiders look going for him, and uh, he bumps into Karen Connors by accident, and, like loses his shit, 
and he gives this like Oscar winning mm. performance and he's like carrying on and on he's like I touch Cootie Connors I'm gonna die I'm gonna <laughs> die I touch Cootie Connors and it's <laughs> pathetic and so then here's my thing in 8th grade were there even cooties anymore no that is there such was an not. elementary no. school thing right. people were having sex in middle school like I knew I don't know did you know people in middle school that were hooking up oh yeah in 6th grade exactly. my friend on the bus told me that she did it with her boyfriend and I was like oh my god, oh my god. that's the thing about middle school it's like there's people tell you about how they had sex and stuff and you're like um what the fuck like right. I still like come clear shit like <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to cut that out. You can bleep it out. <laughs> I, I won't. So um, the kid's running. The kid runs to another kid and who's like the expert on cooties, according to the narrator. And his name's Stort. I didn't get his first name, but they just call him Stort. He's in like one scene. And he's the other black kid. There's three. Mm-hmm. The third one is Dolores, and she plays the bass at the end of the movie, at the talent show. Mm-hmm. So remember the talent show? Right. <laughs> so... We're not there yet. Um, our dear listeners don't, they don't know the talent show yet. So, um, okay, so what did, so, um, so the greaser kid is like, he's like kind of like the villain, uh, honestly, later on, because he's like the reason that Mr. Simon gets in all the trouble. Yeah. So he tells Stuart that he got touched by Cootie Connors and everybody backs away. And then the camera goes in this like shaky handheld. Yes. It's like a zombie movie. Which I have never seen in that, like in a period drama. Like I've never seen that kind of No, I know. I feel like a combination. Part... No. Actually, um, that movie Detroit. Did you see that movie? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. That movie's filmed a lot like that. Like kind of like shaky cam. Like it's like a document, like trying to be like a documentary or whatever with the riots and stuff. And that's, a, that takes place like probably the same era like right in the 60s right i don't know exactly what i'm talking about so um <laughs> this is just ridiculous so the narrator's like um uh people fled as if Friel was a leper at a pool party so interesting anecdote never heard mm. anything like that so then um jason's like basically crying and he's like what are you gonna do man you gotta <laughs> help me and then um he's got this weird thing going on with his voice and then Stuart's like <laughs> shut up man just shut up you loser <laughs> I'm like, fuck, dude, you're, you're, you're going in on him. And so then um, he's like, you got to touch her again. It's the only way. And then Jason feels like, please, no, no way. And then so then I guess so the way to cure cooties is to touch the infected person that gave you the cooties that has it and then say the magic words. Mm-hmm. And the magic words are from here. These cooties came with you. They will return. So. Um, but the catch is you have to say the cootie, you have to say that and touch the cootie person on their own turf. So then, um, Jason's like geek corner. And then he's like, yeah, geek corner. Dun, 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 dun. So it's thickening. What's going to happen to Karen? Okay. Mm. So cut to Stanley and I know horrible. I know. Um, yeah, I know we don't want to give it away. It's really a big emotional moment. So cut to Stanley, Norman, and Andy, and they're in the schoolyard, and Norman's mad at Stanley for not um, doing what Ricky Brown wants, for like not standing up to him, for just like walking away and not like giving him his lunch money, you know, not being like a total cuck like Norman is. So um, Stanley's like, uh, I don't do it because it's not right. And Norman's like, who cares about right? You keep getting your ass beat, damn it. And then Stanley's like, you shouldn't swear, Norman. And that's like the catchphrase of the movie. You probably, did you catch it? I oh yeah, it, they said it like four three times. Three times, four times. Uh, you shouldn't swear, Stanley. You shouldn't swear, Andy. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It was kind of cute, but 
That's what I'll say about this movie. I don't want to dig in it too hard because it is kind of right. cute. Like, it's a bunch of kid actors. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. They're just, like, having a good time. And, like, I'm not trying to, like, rip on their performance. Like, I think it's a, they're all pretty decent actors. Mm-hmm. I think Big G's kind of the worst actor in the bunch. But they didn't really give him much to work with. He's trying to play this, like, stoic character. Yeah. And when you're young, it might be kind of hard, like, to, like, keep the energy up while you're being stoic. You know what I mean? So yeah. kind of, it falls a little flat sometimes. But, I, you know, and they had to pick a kid that looked like him, so... Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they didn't have much to pick from, yeah. Right. I mean, 2011, I would have been the perfect age for this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They would have, right? Or no, I, maybe. I was like a freshman. Yeah. So that would have been fine. So, um, Stanley's like, don't swear, Norman. I'm like, you're such a nerd, Stanley. So, um, Andy stands up and calls Norman Normie. And I'm like, I love this, like, 2018 <laughs> memeology going on. <laughs> normie? Oh, my God. He's, he's like, shut up, normie. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this, like, meme, like, meme land going on in the 60s? So um, some kid runs up and is like, Jason has Karen Connor. And uh, Big G and Andy and Norman take off. So we see that the greaser kid is whipping Karen with her jacket. Or with his jacket, saying mm-hmm. the magic words like "from here the goodies came from," and then um, because but and it's like the narrator says that he didn't want to touch her. So then, but then I'm like, they're not even in Geek Corner. She's like, they're in some alleyway somewhere. And I'm like, so the spell didn't even work, douchebag. So you still got the cooties. So um, then Big G runs up and picks Jason up by his shirt and holds him up on the brick wall. And Jason is way shorter than Big G, so right. he's, he's like way pretty up high there. up, yeah. And then we get this like POV shot of like Jason down onto Big G. And uh, Norman's like, kick his ass, like <laughs> fucking slam his head. Um, you know, it's a WWE movie. We got to get some wrestling in there. So then, um, uh, but no, Big G's a, um, a G. He's a pacifist. He just yeah. looks up. He like gets like really like um, like tied up in the moment and then just screams, no! And it's like. Um, it was a very powerful scream. It was. It was like. I, I was, was not expecting that. And he's no. like shaking. And then he's like, no, quietly. And then drops the kid, and the kid runs away because he's a pussy. And then yeah. um, Norman's like, why don't you break him in two? And then Big G's like, I can't make people be nice. And he walks away. I'm like, that's really sad. Yeah, I respected his decision not to do that. No, me too. You can't pick on kids that are smaller than you just because, you know, you can't make people be nice. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Good thing to leave it on. So then Norman's like, if I had Big G's body, I'd kick everyone's ass. And I'm like, damn, maybe you like are projecting a little bit like you're a little too obsessed with big g like if i had big g's body (laughs) okay norman um i'm like norman that's bad like you shouldn't if you had somebody else's body you shouldn't be like like getting vengeance and revenge on people like you should learn from your friend learn from big g um so and then norman says that he's gonna tell mr simon about karen getting Mm -hmm. whipped so then we cut to karen crying in the girl's bathroom and mr simon's like knocking on the door karen it's mr simon and i'm like bro it's the girl's bathroom don't go in there and uh he's like i'm coming in honey and i'm like dude it's majorly inappropriate he's an authority figure at the school i feel like if there was a situation where there was a student who was in distress that a teacher male or female could go into the bathroom and this school has the first female principal in the county so Correct. you think they could have brought her down or old tuna breath the vice principal is also a woman so she could have come came in too tuna breath old tuna breath that's the woman that hosts the oh host of the talent show yeah oh okay she, that and andy runs copies for her. um so anyway uh da-da-da. so then he's like i'm coming in honey and she's like go away mr simon and i'm like right there look she, i was just it's the bathroom yeah, yeah. it's a little bit weird so then um, he's like, I'm going to open the door. And she's like, no, 
don't go away. <laughs> and then he opens the door, and I'm like, you can't open a bathroom door from the outside. What are you doing there? Or he, or she left it unlocked, and she wanted the she attention. She really wanted him to come in, but she right. was saying no. Women be like that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so he takes her hand in his, and he's like, "This is, um, um, yeah." And he's like, he's like looking at her, and he's like, "Who did this to you?" And she's got cuts on her face, cuts on her arms. It's like fucking gruesome. It's really um. bad. So he gives her a hug, and um, it's yeah, it's sad. I think he could have called like a female teacher that could have taking the ropes there but yeah they probably didn't have the budget to add like another another teacher. <laughs> another extra they could they could have grabbed somebody from craft or fucking anywhere and just thrown them in right. there so uh next scene um it's back in mr simon's class and so um the narrator says everyone found out mr simon is really upset about what happened to karen and jason might be receiving his final report card from federal prison so um mr simon explains how the cuts that jason so jason is suspended he's not allowed to go he's gonna go to fredwell prison for what he did to karen because it wasn't just like he wasn't just hitting her with his jacket the zipper on his jacket was cutting her arms and face and they said that the cuts are deeper than originally thought so they have so she has to go to the doctor now um (laughs) and okay the way he says it he's like um they're deeper than originally thought and she's been uh Sent to the doctors. And I'm like, did you forget your line? And they just like, <laughs> use that take. <laughs> that happens sometimes, like, later on, too. Like, the, uh, mi- okay, yeah, I noticed that. Like, like there weird would be... jumps. Yeah. Like, or, like, weird, like, glitches in the scene. Yeah, like, um, I'm thinking of the part... There's Towards the end, Big G re- reaches out and shakes Mr. Simon's hand. And then it's just this, like, dead space. And, and then Andy reaches over <laughs> and shakes his hand, too. And I'm like... Uh, why didn't you guys just redo that? It would have taken two seconds. And I'm like, okay, someone didn't know what they were doing there. Um, it literally looks like Ed Harris is just waiting for the kid to reach over and shake his hand. He's like, I'm a good actor. Are you? And the kid's like, no, I'm 11. So, um, the, so then, um, oh, so Mr. Simon's like, he's disappointed everybody. Everyone's like ashamed in class. It's like bummer energy. That's like the kind of cl- when the teacher gets all mad. It's yep. like when you don't want to be in class. So um, it's like, eh. so Mr. Simon is like, do you guys want to know what I wrote to win that car for the writing contest? And so he writes on the board, um, uh, he writes human dignity plus like plus sign, mm-hmm. compassion, equal sign, peace. So that's it. Four words won him the car is what the narrator says. And I'm like, in what fucking world does four words win you a car? Like I, I, for one okay so like i know algorithms have won nobel prizes right but this algorithm is not (laughs) anything special and it's like i would say a well-written short story with memorable characters is like more something i'm thinking would win a car well also since when our writing contests have like when you win like a starbucks gift card for like 10 bucks (laughs) five bucks even you can't even buy a frappuccino with it so it's like yeah i was like okay it's the 60s maybe they did things a little different back then right but, like, I don't know. I was thinking about it, and I feel like probably a lot of people tried really hard with, like, the 25-word like, limit. Mm. And I think his was probably poignant and stood out because it was just four words. So simple. And it wasn't even, like, a sentence. It was an algorithm. And um, right. I remember my friend Jaden, um, before he moved out to San Francisco for his job, when he was applying for his job, uh on the application, well, like, it was online, but they were, like, creatively, tell us why 
you should work for us. And like, it can't be like, I think I would be really good. Like you had to be creative with it. And he just made it like, um, it was like a very, I don't think he made it a haiku, but it was something like, I'm really smart. Another line. I'm really cool. Another line. Please hire me. And he got the job. I mean, after the interview, but right, like they probably read a bunch of fucking right. lofty shit, like the narration in this uh, <laughs> fucking movie. It's like fucking Hemingway. Like Jesus Christ, you paid by word. So, um, okay, here's my other thing: human dignity plus compassion equals peace is six words. You 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 can't. I know the plus and the equal signs mm, are symbols. Doesn't count. It does count because they. they they're required to get the point of the, you know, it's like needed for the meaning. You know, if they were just like unnecessary, like like a dash or something, I would say. I don't know. So um, he's like, I really don't feel like, he's like, I really don't feel like teaching today. So I'm going to read a book. He's like, um, he's so disappointed. So he's like, everybody take out a book. And if you don't have a book, then you should always have a book. And I'm like, oh, problem <laughs> solved for all the kids that don't read. And I'm like, isn't teaching a job? You're not going to always like your job and always feel like doing your job. Like, it's fucking school. You have to go do it. Well, so, I think it, it it was a good way to, like, shame the kids by being like, I don't feel like teaching today. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, if he would... I get it. Like, he's disappointed. But I'm like, is that how it works? You just, like... Don't. It's his classroom. I guess. Was he, can he do teaching you... English? Yeah. And it was the sixties. It's not like today where like I don't know. It's you probably like more the regulated. Meep, the meep you know? test, like, like the meep. I forgot about the meep. <laughs> oh my god. So um, yeah. So he's like, so he grabs his book to read and opens it to like the direct middle, and I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm sure you're actually reading that. So um, but I I agree. I think it's always good to have a book on you, um, even if you're not sure if you're gonna be able to read it. When I had a backpack, I had my backpack stolen like a month ago, and I haven't replaced it. Cause it's summer, so I can I have like a cinch bag, so I just like use that yeah. or like a, just like a bag, like a. Did pant- it get stolen at work? Or out of my at car. School? Oh my god. Because I was at the bar and I left my I went back out with my car to like smoke weed and mm-hmm. then I um left my driver's side open just because I just you know opened it and walked out yeah. and didn't think to lock it again because I thought I don't know what I was thinking, and then I went back out there and it was um gone and they didn't take my weed or my bowl or like my lighter or anything but they took this bag of pennies and it was i swear to god like 40 pennies so i'm like okay and my backpack and there was nothing valuable in my backpack because i had it in there because i was planning on staying over at a friend's house it was my birthday and um that sucks yeah and all i had in there was a copy of moby dick that i had been reading because i bought it on amazon for like five bucks because i wanted to read it and um so fuck me i guess i'm not supposed to read moby dick and then a t-shirt I really liked because I was going to, because it was like my birthday night, you know, like my birthday was at midnight and I was yeah. at the bar that night and I, was, I had a t-shirt that I was going to wear on my birthday. I was like, I love this t-shirt. I'm going to wear it. And, um, no, it all got stolen. And all my toiletries, my to- my toothpaste, my deodorant. It was just like inconvenient things. It was like nothing that anybody would want. Yeah. I guarantee, did you want that copy of Moby Dick that I underlined in and shit? No. Well, they probably just really liked your bag. No. It, yeah. It was probably for the backpack. It was like a Jansport with a leather bottom, black. It was nice. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Those leather bottom ones last forever, and they're like sixty bucks. My my dad got it for me for Christmas like three four years ago, probably two years ago, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, now it's gone. Also, my pencil case that had all my pens and pencils in it, and I literally have like I struggle to find pens now because I had a whole bunch of them. Sorry to go off on a tangent about that. I'm I hate sorry, when Miles. people fucking steal shit. So, um. But what, what I was saying was when I would, did have a backpack, I would always carry a book with me to class and stuff, even if I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to read it, because I think it's good to carry one around. Do you carry a book with you? 
Uh, I don't. Yeah. I really don't. So, um, so the next scene, Andy's doing his paper route, and this like bop from the '60s is playing. It's like, bum, ba, da, da. I don't know what it is. It's like, ooh, wah, ba, ah, wah, whatever the fuck. So Andy, um, he's throwing the papers at the porches, and he misses, um, the porch, and so then he goes up to move the paper to the porch, and then this guy, this man, walks around from the corner, and he's like, "Can I help you, bud?" And Andy's like, "I missed your porch. I was just uh, bringing your paper." And he's like, hmm, because you've got quite an arm there, and you hit every other door down the block except mine. Got any theories on that? And I'm like, how about the theory that I want to get in your daughter's guts? How about that? (laughs) So Mary Clear walks out, the hottest girl in school, right? Remember her? And she's like, Dad, dinner is ready. So um, so I'm like, why is he delivering papers at dinner time? That confused me. Papers, especially in the 60s, it has very valuable information for the day. Yeah. You know, like everything you would need to know. So and people read their paper in the morning, the morning paper. What the fuck is this? The the evening edition? Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe. So um so yeah, and it's like you want to read today's paper in the morning at breakfast. It's not like you want it at dinner time. So the narrator's like Mary was more woman than any eighth grade boy knew what to do with. And I think she knew it too. I'm like, fucking <laughs> ew. So kinda gross, but Mary's makeup looks good, so um, Andy starts to give Mary the paper, but then decides to give it to her dad instead. And he promises not to miss next time. And he's like rambling. He's like, oh, don't, oh, oh, here, I'll give it to your dad. And then it's like, um. Yeah, that part was so awkward. I know. And it's cute, though. He's like flustered to yeah. be with the girl. I thought it was cute. So, um, her dad is like, you gotta work on that, bud. So, next scene, we're back at school, and we're gonna play a little clip here. So, we'll talk to you right after. Every Friday, I worked in the office during study hall. I'd run off copies of flyers to parents announcing an open house or reminders about the upcoming car wash to raise money for the library. Generally, whatever annoying little job Mrs. Cranby, the assistant principal, affectionately known as Old Tuna Breath, didn't feel like doing herself. Andrew! Wait till you see the talent show program I've designed. They never had so much fun in my life. (laughs) If you could just run off 600 copies, we'll be all set. We certainly have an interesting turnout this year. Looks really nice, Mrs. Granby. Oh, Doris Gavin plays the upright bass. Isn't that the really huge one? She's like three feet tall. Yes, indeed. Tiny, but top-notch. I understand she's very good. Wait, Mrs. Granby, this can't be right. What? Is something misspelled? Big G is gonna... Is gonna sing? Yes. I don't get it. Your life isn't miserable enough as it is. So now you're gonna get up in front of a whole student body and sing? I love to sing. I've known you my whole life. Never heard you sing, not once. Since when do you love to sing? Ever since I can remember. Look, maybe, I don't know, maybe Norman's right. I have a right to sing in the talent show, just like anybody else. Don't you ever watch cop shows? You have the right to remain silent? You wanna sing? Do it in the shower. Why don't you sing with a band? Why do you have to sing all by yourself? I sing a cappella. My voice is my instrument. Oh my God! Why not just buy a gun and let Ricky Brown shoot you in the eye? I knew you wouldn't understand, Norman. That's why I didn't tell you about it. What about us? You sing in that stupid show and it's just gonna make it worse for the rest of us. It doesn't matter what they do to us. You said it yourself, Norman. So probably just do it anyway. I think you should sing if you want to. I'm sorry, Norman, but I'm going to sing. Damn it, Stanley! Why do you have to make everything harder than it is? 
You shouldn't swear, Norman. Go to hell! You deserve whatever you get. I think he's just worried about you. Come on, there's a few more minutes before the bell rings. And we're back. So during the clip, we find out that... Uh, Big G is going to be singing in the talent show. This is a big fucking reveal. We also find out that they call Mrs. Crandy old tuna breath, which I find fucking hilarious. Um, it's really mean. It is. So, and then Norman's like yelling at Big G and he's like, um, he's like, I, and then Big G says something about how um, he's like going to sing acapella. Um, his voice is, he's like, I didn't even, you can't even play any instruments. And he's like, my voice is my instrument. I'm going to sing acapella. And here's the thing. My music teacher in uh, high school told me like acapella is never the way to go unless you like have multiple parts it's you always think it sounds better than it actually does a little accompaniment goes a long way mm-hmm. so I was kind of like mm, Big G maybe you're making a mistake but you know um, his song's actually so fucking good at the end though I love it so I was also thinking 600 copies of the school like a flyer for the talent show is a fucking lot yeah Um, this is the big thing though from this clip that I wanted to point out so and he's like, do you even watch cop shows? You have a right to remain silent, like about him singing. Miranda, the Miranda rights weren't invented until 1966. This movie takes place in 1965. Oh, so, good catch. Yeah, um, it was on IMDb. So this is pretty crazy. Um, well, it's crazy to think that people just like were walking around like incriminating themselves like all the way up until yeah. 1965 um, or 66. So... Um, okay, so then next, uh, so we got all that. So, you know, got that little, we're some, we got something to look forward to, that talent show later on in the year. Okay, cool. So then huge, this is a big moment. Buckle up. Oh, my God. So oh Andy's in the God. hallway opening his locker. Another girl walks up and says, hey, Andy, Mary Clear likes you. Oh, shit. The hottest girl in school loves Andy. So he's like, why? And the girl's like, why? I don't know. She's already gone study with everyone else. So, <laughs> like, what (laughs) um so she says mary clear thinks he's cute but don't ask her why and the narrator's like process of elimination was not romantic even in eighth grade um and honestly at this point like i stopped copying the narrator's words word for word because it's just so fucking like over complicated and lofty and i don't know like you i don't know if the screenwriter thinks this is like how writers write but i'm like you're a writer yourself like this is not if there was a novel written this way i'd get super annoyed with it like i would not be reading that anymore i will say though like i do pretty much write like this sometimes so it's like ah yes the quivers and quails (laughs) of the eighth grade ego of the male to the i'm like jesus christ so then um narration continues as the scene shifts back to andy at home and he says, uh, once a month, I had to collect the money due to the news due for newspapers. It was a task of simplicity I appreciated in an increasingly complicated world. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh my god, just yeah, shut it's up. kind of. Um, he's like, the payoff was worth it too, ranging anywhere from cash tips to assorted to assorted snacks. Yikes! Ugh. I know, right? Yikes is absolutely right. So um, it's just it's mildly cringy. Um, so next stop, Mary Clear's house. Since I couldn't hit her porch, I wasn't expecting much. Money or cookies or whatever. So um, Mary answers the door and is like, oh, hi, Andy. How's it going? He's like, good. How's it going with you? Great. So how's it going? He says. And she's like, you already asked me that. And he's like, you said great, right? I'm like, and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, this dialogue is off the (laughs) chain, man. And I'm like, were you just not listening to her at all? Like, you're fucking rude. I think it's just a show that they're like nervous. It's kind of realistic. It's cute. Ha 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 ha! Andy rides off. 
again, I guess. Yeah. So then the music gets real serious. It's like Jaws. Yes. And he's like riding down the road and the shot like slows down. And um, then so- we see someone wetting a newspaper with a hose. <laughs> And uh, the music builds up, and then we see Ricky Brown wind up his arm and throw the wet newspaper right at Andy's head, and he falls off his bike, and Ricky appears over him, and he's like, um, why'd you have to do that, Ricky? And he's like, I didn't have to. It was my little treat. What's in the bag? And Ricky pulls out this burnt-ass chocolate chip cookie, <laughs> and is like, mmm, my favorite, and takes a bite of it. And I'm like, nasty. But Ricky, you can have that. So um, <laughs> Ricky's like, see you in school, nickel. So, Yeah. Next scene, Andy's walking to school with Dan again. Uh, Dan again. So uh, Andy's talking about his encounter with Mary, and she, he's like, she had to ask her parents for money in advance. It was a setup, like meeting him at the door to give him the money for the newspaper. And I'm like, clearly she didn't. Like, her parents could have just like been like, oh, the paper boy's here, dear. Be, be sweet and grab the give him the money. I'm like, this. it could have been very spur of the moment. I think Andy's a little paranoid or like maybe a little bit obsessed. So, um, so, uh, the, 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 so then Dan's like is, uh, ask her if she's going to kiss, ask, uh, Andy if he's going to kiss her. And he's like, of course I am, idiot. And it's the same thing. It was like this pause. And then he said idiot. And it was like, Dan was like starting to say his next line. He was like, of course I am, idiot. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) can you guys just redo the shot? Like, and it was such a pointless word. Um, if he were a more seasoned actor, I think he would have just cut out the idiot part. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the other kid's like, she's a real good kisser. Uh, Dan says that. And then Andy's like, um, how would you know you're, uh, how would you know you're probably the only other boy she hasn't kissed in school? And he's like the, the only black kid in school. So <laughs> interesting, Mary. Um, <laughs> Mary just has a preference, sweetie. Um, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a preference. No, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, no Dans. So <laughs> the kid's like, yeah, right. Like she's kissed Big G. And Andy's like, you'd be below Big G on her list. And then uh, the dude gets super defensive. He's like triggered. He's like, he's like, wow, Andy, you and Big G are real bosom buddies now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> bosom buddies. <laughs> I'm like, what's yes. a bosom buddy? <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> Can you and I be bosom buddies, Matt? Um, so, Andy, <laughs> so Andy's like, shut up. So, um, so then, uh, oh, they notice when they get back from school that uh, Jason is back from suspension. So Andy's at his locker. Bruce Modak comes up and he's like, remember when you said Mr. G was your favorite teacher? So this is where this plot, this Mr. G or Mr. Simon plot starts getting, yeah. getting brought to the forefront. So. Um, he's like, uh, remember when you said Mr. Simon was your favorite teacher? You still think that after he stuck you with Big G? And then he's like, but I don't know, I guess. And then he's like, I'm like, here's my thing. He's like defending Big G like to multiple people. They're not even friends. They have yet to hang out outside of school. They like, they're, they have had like no real bonding moment in the movie. I don't think. I don't think either. So, and so I get that like Andy's like maybe had some like personal growth, but like there's not been any like relationship growth between him and like big g right yeah, so I then i didn't see the chemistry really develop yeah he's barely even in the movie big g at this yeah. point so um bruce is like my dad says mr simon is a homo so um old and so then old andy like the narrator comes on and he's like i didn't know what modak meant but i could tell this homo thing was something mr simon didn't want to include on his resume <laughs> 
and I'm like, what did this writer of the movie think the 60s were? Like, homosexuality was a major political talking point at this time. Like, the Stonewall riots were yeah. in the 60s. Like, that was a huge time for gay liberation, like, in all kinds of drag queens, like, transgender. I don't know. Like, this was, like, a big part of the 60s. Anyway. Well, I could also see, like, kids being sheltered from that kind of news because I feel like, I don't know... I I have to admit I don't know too much about you know like Stonewall and like all yeah. the things that happened in the sixties, but I feel like it wouldn't have been reported as it would like in today's society. Yeah. You know, I feel like I, media probably wouldn't talk about it too much to the point where kids would probably be a little sheltered from I that mean, kind that's of true. stuff. There was like a lot of like suppression of sexuality, but like yeah. um, homosexuality, I feel like is like something that's been talked about. It's been like a talking point for forever. Like it was like in Greek mythology and shit. Yeah. So I don't know. It just seems like something that people would still know about, but I don't really know. I guess they didn't. So um, Andy, like, um, yeah. Well, I, okay. I don't know. I just guarantee like, dudes were calling each other faggots in the 60s like fucking like oh like fucking i don't know maybe not though maybe that wasn't something that people did like you stupid that's so gay like don't you think that's something that they did in the 60s or maybe not? yeah i think honestly yeah so, or like smear the queer like that right kind of stuff. some kind yeah. of thing ew what is that like a poop thing no that's when you like tackle the queer kid i think <laughs> or like you just like beat him up oh god <laughs> jesus christ so that's horrible so yeah. then um yeah andy tries to play it cool he's like um Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> and then Bruce is like, so you're saying you like homos? And Andy's like, yeah, right. <laughs> and then Bruce slaps Andy on the shoulder and he's like, take it easy, Andy. So like, clearly Bruce wants to fuck. You can tell. Okay, I'm not... Okay, so this scene reminded me of um, something that happened to me in like second or third grade. I was on the bus and I don't know what I was talking about, but it must have been some gay thing. And um, <laughs> this... <laughs> This kid on the bus, he turns to me and he was like, oh, that's so gay. And I was like, okay, and? <laughs> but I didn't know what gay meant. Right. And he was uh, like, yeah. he was like, are you saying that like you're okay with like gay things? And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't care if... I don't care that it's gay, and, like, I didn't know what I was talking about, but I was, like, on total defense mode. No, yeah, I can remember, um, when I was a kid, someone called me effeminate, and, like... Uh, effeminate? Yeah, what, like... A, where was, like, when was this? Like, like, I was in elementary school, like, another they kid They knew the word effeminate? That. I guess. I didn't know what it meant at all, and I was like, so what? Like, same kind of thing, like, got defensive, but, like, now you see now, like, they were using it as an insult. I don't know where they learned that word. Mm -hmm. I remember, well, I remember hearing that and being like, because I feel like I knew what gay was at least. Maybe not. I don't really know. I can't remember like where. Can't track. That yeah, I can't track it either. Where I knew what that was, but I feel like. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I yeah, but I can like remember like people, yeah. So, and I can remember. I can even remember too. My mom. I told my mom that, and she's like, "You're not effeminate," and I'm like, "That's like just that's bad too. That's fucking. That's like your parents fucking. They're trying to have good intentions, but it's like, they're actually like." Um, perpetuating these right. gender stereotypes, right, man? But, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because, like, I'm like, well, wait, but why, why say that your kid's not effeminate? Maybe it's not a bad thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Things to think about. And so then, um, so, yeah, I, when I was watching this, yeah, we talked about this. I wasn't expecting the gay thing to be, like, this, like, major point of the movie. So, um, 
so then Andy's in class and he doesn't believe Bruce, so he's asking a couple other kids in class, and both of them are like, duh, how's it feel to walk around with your head up your ass? Like, everyone knows he's gay. And then Mr. Simon comes into class and slides in, like, on his shoes, like, bah, like, does, like, a pose. And I'm like, mm-hmm, very gay. And uh, sporting another great suit and bow tie. So uh, Mr. Simon's like, the car I won has arrived, and I asked the principal if I could give you all a ride. And she said, yes, everybody gets a ride in the car. So the You class, get a ride, you yeah, you get, get a ride. ride. You get a ride. Everybody gets a ride. So the class cheers. And like, excuse me, I'm sorry. So I'm I'm already scared. Like, something gay is going to go down in that fucking car. Like, this is going to be... It, it, it I mean, it's not funny because it, it deals with like kids, but like... No, but like, I knew that the movie was like about like sexual allegations. Um, but then that doesn't really... There are really no sexual allegations. Right. But I just remember like reading that in the synopsis. And then I'm like, fuck, something like maybe gay is going to go down yeah, in that car. Yeah, and he's... Mr. Simon's not the good character that we all thought, we he, thought was. he was. Yeah, right. So, um, right. It reminds me. Have you ever seen the movie The History Boys? No, I have it on DVD. We go. You can we watch can watch it. it afterwards. Yeah, maybe it's at my parents' house actually. Well, anyway, I have the book, or it's a play. I'm sorry, but in that, the teacher um gives will give kids, some of his male students rides home. It's all male school. Give his students like rides home on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. and like he likes it because it's like a boy like you know on his back or whatever yeah. that fuck. and yeah. that's what they say in that and it just reminded me of that like some dark shit like yeah. some like i'm like is that what this is gonna be like trying to play it like you're a mentor but you're actually like kind of like predator. a creepy creepy gay dude yeah predator man so then we're back at big g in the in the geek corner and he's reading a poem and it's a langston hughes poem and so for their project they have to pick a word from that poem and that means something to both of them and then write about it so big g thinks of the word prejudice but andy's like boy what's prejudice because he's got his white privilege as <laughs> a privileged white boy yeah. yeah and so um and then andy's like i don't he's like so you're saying i have to be a negro to understand prejudice and then they say like that word like five times i know it's scene. like bam 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 and i'm like this is jarring especially because like they don't it's not they're not trying to it's like they want to use the word but they don't want to talk about that like the implications of it but i also think i think maybe that word was like um the pc word of the 60s like i don't th- i think that might have been the word they were using but i don't really know so don't quote mm-hmm. me on that but um so and then uh, big g can identify with the word um prejudice because he's discriminated against as a red-haired person and i think that there might be something to that i'm not gonna say like it's equal like equate it to or like compare it to any other kind of discrimination but i feel like it is maybe a form of discrimination but I don't really know. Like the whole ginger yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, like no soul. Oh, it's just kind of mean. I definitely do. I think a lot of people like to joke about it, but I think there's definitely some implications that, I don't know, I, I've i met people that are like, oh my God, look at that person. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh my God, they like have such like red hair. And I'm like, oh <laughs> right. my God. Or like, people are like, you're blank for a ginger. Like that's just fucking mean. I know, I... I don't know. I've never really seen. I've I've never really looked at people like you, <laughs> and thought people like, like Big G, <laughs> and thought like, oh my god, he has red hair. He's a ginger. Like I, d- I don't really buy into it. I don't get it. Yeah, <clears throat> right. So then they uh, so uh, Big G suggests the word um, tolerance, and Andy's like, tolerance. What's that mean? And I'm like. What the fuck, Andy? <laughs> so Big G reads the definition, and it is the act of allowing something to be different. And Andy's like, so the guy in the poem dreams of a world where people let each other be different. And then Big G's like, yeah, that's why it's such a great word. 
it doesn't mean you have to be like the person. You just leave them alone. Or you don't have to like the person. You just leave them alone. And Andy's like, so we have to write a story about tolerance. Dun, 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 tolerance. So then cut to Jason. He's riding his bike home. Uh, so And he goes in his older, older brother's room, who's like dancing to some hardcore 60s shit. And the brother's hot, for sure. So, oh, he's so hot. I know. So he grabs Jason and is like, I told you not to come into my room! And throws Jason <laughs> in the bed and starts to hog a loogie. And then the camera goes this like POV of Jason. And I'm like, yes, hog that loogie right in my <laughs> eyeball. So, no, honestly, that shot kind of triggered me. I was like, spit, fucking... And it's like a booger. People forget that. Like, a loogie is a booger in your mouth. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> But I, I'd let Jason's brother hog a loogie in my fucking mouth. So um, in other places, yeah. So it's disrespectful. If somebody spat at me, I'd be so fucking pissed. Um, so Jason's like, if Mister Simon was a homo, would he get fired? And his brother's like, yeah. Now get out. And then Jason's like, one more question. What's a homo? Bah, bah, bah. The plot thickens. What's gonna happen next? So. Um, yeah, right. So Jason's going to say Mr. Simon came onto him while he's riding his car as revenge. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like a car. Like, a th- I think I kept thinking the car thing was going to come into play. Yeah. But, um, no. But it's like, a, it's obviously like a revenge plot on Jason's part to, because he got suspended by Mr. Simon. But I'm like, dude, you're just a shitty dude. Like, you fucking beat up Karen Connor. So, next scene, Andy's at home. He's building a model airplane in his room. <clears throat> yeah, and his dad comes in, and, and this is what I mean. I'm like, Andy's a big old nerd. He should get along with Big G. They should be like buddies, but they're not. Um, maybe they're in a different shit. I don't know. So his dad comes in, and he's like, the whole house smells like glue. You're using too much glue. Let me show you how it's done. So then Andy's like, Dad, I can just take the extra glue off with a razor blade. And then he's like, why not just do it right the first time? Anyway, you could cut your finger off like that. And that, and that would be bad, right? And I'm like... I don't think a razor blade's gonna cut your finger no. off. Jesus. His dad. Jim. Is, so, Andy leaves and uh, lets his dad build his model airplane for him in his bedroom. So, um, so then, uh, yeah, I feel like Andy's dad is like well written because he's not like a big jerk. He's just like kind of overbearing. I don't know. Yeah, I because he's he's well-meaning. He's like in, involved in his kid's life. He's like helping him build his plane or whatever. He's just not doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I was really annoyed with his dad during the movie, but I don't think he was a bad character. I just no, he kind of think makes me think of like just like a bad manager, like somebody who like is always trying to show you the right way to do it to the point where you just like kind of get like mad and you're like, well, fuck it. I just like you know what I mean. Like it's not mm-hmm. like constructive. Because, I mean, but I don't know. But, I mean, Andy gets his just desserts with his dad at the end. Right? <laughs> so. His just desserts. Uh-huh. So, so he, then he goes into the TV to, or into the, you know, TV room. I, I call it a TV room. That must be a thing from, I don't know. Did you have a TV room growing up? No, I had a living room. <laughs> right. Everybody has a living room. My house, it was the TV room. We had, well, that might sound a little bit ridiculous, but we had a living room and a TV room. But, yeah in your house yeah yeah but i don't know it's not like a big fancy house it's just how it was set up so because the living room has the fireplace as the centerpiece and there's no tv in there but i think that's kind of nice i feel like i'd want that as an adult yeah um so anyway i'm sorry so then uh, oh, i was told myself i wasn't gonna say sorry on this podcast anymore because i kept saying sorry last okay episode. we gotta cut it now we gotta yeah. like we okay gotta end it. we gotta end it i'm i'm mm, no so uh no we have so much more to get through this is so exciting so um 
This is like where this is we're just through the hump. This is like where everything starts getting going. This is the downhill. The the spiral acceleration. Yeah, exactly. So then he's his mom's watching TV and folding clothes, and he goes in there because his dad's in the room making his paper airplane, whatever the fuck model airplane. So then he's like, um, Andy's like asked if people went steady when she was in eighth grade, and she's like, yes, Andy. Even back in the old days, we went steady. <laughs> and then she says, the only things that have really changed are the clothes and the music. And I feel like that kind of speaks to the movie, like how the themes expressed in the movie are like all that's really changed are the clothes and the music, but mm-hmm. really they're still universal themes that we're still dealing with nowadays. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, and then she gets off and turns the TV off to talk to him, like gets up and turns it off. And I thought it was a nice little period detail because they don't have remotes. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then Andy asks if, or Andy's mom asks if he's thinking about going steady and he gets embarrassed, and he says, no, just wondering, um, just wondering if it ever came up. And then he was like, was it fun? Uh, and then, um, were you nervous? Are you high right now? Are you single? So then she was like, I remember it being fun, but it doesn't always last long. So then the mom says that, uh, oh, and then Andy gets up, and then his mom's like, Andy, make sure you're wearing that deodorant that I, <laughs> that I bought you. And he's like, why do I smell? And she's like, no, no, you just never know when it could start. And, and you don't want to start at the wrong time. And I loved that dialogue. I'll tell you right now, my parents did not buy me deodorant. I had to ask them to buy me deodorant because I smelled bad. Yep. And it was embarrassing. Like, I wish my mom had been the cool mom, the 60s mom like Andy had, and just mm-hmm. bought him the deodorant before he even could smell bad. Right. And so he was just putting it on, and there was nothing to worry about. At your school, did, like... Yes, in the health class, they yeah. gave you a mini deodorant. Yes, they gave you a mini deodorant and yeah. also a Bible. Oh, I didn't get a Bible with mine. <laughs> I got a Bible, which was like, <laughs> I don't understand how they're allowed to do that. But no, yeah, I got a Bible and deodorant. Oh, I rem- no, and that's what I'm saying. I remember keeping that deodorant and like using it for so long. To, like, <laughs> like past it was gone and everything because it was just like, I was afraid to ask my parents for deodorant. And I and people always talk about their dad teaching them how to shave or whatever. My dad never taught me how to shave. Oh, my God. My dad, like, I had already started, like, shaving. Yeah. And then he he found out that I started shaving. And he was like, no, no, no. I want to, like, teach you how to shave. And I'm like, I'm already doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I looked online. I looked how to do it. And right. I, yeah. No, I know. I Yeah. I didn't even look it up. I feel like I just... Well, no, actually, that's funny. I remember clearly looking up, like, best ways to shave and, like, I know, how to avoid, like, like, red bumps when shaving. I didn't have, like, a razor. I had to, like, steal, like, my sister. Like, oh, yeah. sister's, like, 10-pack Vic disposable razors yeah. and, like... Well, I had an older that. brother, so, like, his razors were around, but it was, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Was I just supposed to use that? Because that's mm-hmm. not sanitary. So, anyway. um, His pube razors. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm, it's like that jackass skit you know what i'm talking about where they like put no. <laughs> they all no. cut off bits of their pubes and then put it in this like container that's supposed to be like faux hair and they like, put paste on this guy's face and then use it to make a beard oh my god <laughs> and they don't tell him and they use it for a skit and they like tell him later that the prank was actually just, <laughs> he's got pubes glued to his face and he's like it's in my mouth like it's so fucking funny oh my god so um and then um, Andy turns around and asks his mom, Mom, what's a homo? And she gets the worst look on her face. <laughs> so we're back at Jason's house. And Jason is with um, his mom. And she's like, do the other kids know about this? And he's like, yeah, I've heard them talking about it. So I figured I should say something. The mom says, um, like, you did the right thing or something. So um, we're back at 
we're back at Andy's house, and I got a little clip here. They're having dinner, so... Or no, 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 they're, uh, Andy's mom and dad are in bed, so I have a little clip here for you. Hey, you didn't tell him, did you? Of course. Did you want him to find out in school from the other kids? Yeah, yeah, that's how everyone else finds out about it. Why should our kid be any different? Well, he asked me. What was I supposed to do? You could tell him he's not old enough to know. The kids at school are talking about it. Hey, do we know if it's true? No. You know how kids start these rumors. Well, do we know if it's not true? I don't know that we want someone like that teaching our kid. He's the best teacher that school has. People talk about it like it's a, it's a contagious disease. Oh, stop it. You don't know how someone becomes something like that. The whole country's going to hell in a handbasket. Hippies protesting the Vietnam War. Now what? Now? Now we got homosexuals teaching our kids. Teachers are role models, Sherry. They look up to him. Have you thought about that? They look up to him because he's a wonderful teacher. Not because of what he does in his bedroom at night. Why do you even gotta talk like that? Oh, the whole thing is absurd. Fine, fine, okay, it's absurd. But I tell you, I for one, I'm gonna monitor the situation until I know exactly what the hell is going on. Get a pillow, please. When my mother explained to me what a homosexual was, she thankfully spared me the technicalities. My father was right. I wasn't ready. The more conventional male-female approach was still relatively new to me. She said a homosexual was capable of a deeper love for another man than a woman. And she assured me that it had absolutely nothing to do with Mr. Simon's character, and insisted he was still the best teacher I would probably ever have and that was all that mattered. So, um, so I feel like when uh, the Vietnam War was happening, it was just the war because there were no other wars happening. So he's like, he's like hippies protesting the Vietnam War, and I'm like, you mean the war? Right. <laughs> what? So, um, yeah, but Andy's mom's really cool. She defends Mr. Simon like through and through. She's like pretty much defending homosexuality in general. So, which really strikes me as awesome given the time period oh, i mean it's, I, it's like, great she's a strong modern cool 60s woman and she looks so good in this scene i know she's in bed but i love her hair pulled back in a pin pinned mm -hmm. up like that she'd look really good with short hair she's a good head for it so um and then so she's propped up propped up reading a, a book right yeah with two pillows and the dad gets in jim gets in the bed and he's like oh i need one of those pillows and she, so he gives <laughs> so she gives him one of the pillows and he turns around and goes to sleep and i'm like you're adults get it's, a third pillow right get four you should have four pillows in your bed if you're like whatever each person yeah. should have at least two i like to prop up with three like lined up right in a row that's good for me mm -hmm. i can't imagine just one and like are they poor i don't think they are I mean, pillows were really expensive back then. Oh, yeah, the feathers. Yeah. Because yeah. 
geese and whatever else. Yeah. So now we're back at um Jason's house and we finally meet our wrestler of the week. Okay. Bum, 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 I bum. thought he was a wrestler. Yeah. I, I didn't saw mention him it I in the like... intro. I should have. Um, it's Randy Orton. Bum bum bum. Yeah. So he's the wrestler of our of the movie this week. Um, he's actually in a lot of these WWE studio movies, so I'm sure we'll be talking about him again in the future. So this is Randy Orton's film debut, though. Um, I thought that okay. was kind of cool. Yeah. I could. Okay. I, I can see how it was his debut. <laughs> <laughs> so he plays Jason's dad, Ed. So Jason's mom is like, we need to talk. And he's drinking a beer and watching football on TV. And he's like, how about later? And she's like, no, now, Ed. And he rolls his eyes and puts his beer down. And I'm like, Randy Orton looks really out of place in this movie, I thought. He was like doesn't have that 60s look at I all. Didn't th- I, exactly, I didn't think he Exactly, I didn't think he looks like it. And he's got like a buzz cut. And just like, I don't know, like not to say he didn't have buzz cuts in the 60s, but like there's something about him that just doesn't fit the vibe. He's like too greasy. He's like too L.A. looking. Like, he looks like he's yeah, like. Yeah, he looks really, he's I like, don't know. Like shiny, tan. Clean cut. Yeah, muscular. Like, I don't know. I'm glad you noticed too. So it didn't really fit the period. So, yeah, so they're going to talk, right? So then cut to Mr. Simon. He's revving the engine on his new whip. So um, whip. the girl up front is like, this is the coolest car ever, Mr. Simon. And they peel out of there. They peel out in the whip. So And then also Jason's in the back seat when they drive off. Just notice that. I just thought that was worth noting. Because um, I keep thinking something's going to happen in the car. Like it's part of his plot, but it's really mm-hmm. not. So um, Andy walks up and Dan is like, hey, Nickel, where you been? The car is unbelievable. And then Ricky steps in and is like, maybe you can ride with Pumpkinhead over there. And everybody laughs. Like, that's even a good joke. Like, that's just fucking <laughs> stupid. So Randy's like, um, good thing Mr. Simon has a convertible. I don't think Frico's head would fit. So um, huge moment right here. This is massive. So Mary steps in and is like, shut up, Ricky. Bump, bump, bump. Mary clear the hottest yeah. girl in school. So Ricky's like, why don't you ride with Nichols and Pumpkinhead here? And she's like, maybe I will. Oh, shit. So Andy tells um, Dan that old Tuna Breath has him working extra, uh, having to do an extra work in the office, so he can't ride with them and leaves. Andy's such a dork. He won't even ride in the cool Pontiac, the bitchin' Pontiac convertible. Mm. He'd rather go work in the office. No, that moment's huge because Mary's, like, sticking up for Andy and Big G instead of Ricky Brown, her current boyfriend. So, I mean, I think we're, we're starting to, Oh, like, I didn't know they were dating at that time. Well, I don't know if they're broken up, but, like, they... Ricky Brown was definitely her last right. boyfriend. Um, I think they're currently dating, though, because then it's a big discrepancy later when she wants to date Andy. So. No. I mean, really? Because uh, she made it clear. That's not a pun because her last name's clear. But, um, <laughs> no, I thought her friend told Andy that she that Mary was interested no, in No, definitely she is. But um, the big thing is that... Uh, that Ricky Brown is going to beat him up for giving uh, Mary the ID bracelet. Oh, okay. We'll get to it. Yeah. So, um, I'm slow. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and there's like the big show-off uh, by the buses later. So um, cut to Andy in the office, and we'll all get to it, dear, dear listeners. Please, the patience. This is, <laughs> this is all worth the wait. It's huge, huge stuff. Big revelations, overarching plots. So, cut to Ed in the office, So he's and we meet the actual principal now, not old two to breath, not fucking the vice principal, and her name's Beverly Kellner, and she's super cool. I love the principal, the, like, first lady principal of the county. She, like, is totally sticking up for Mr. Simon through right. and through the whole time. She's a great boss. Like, it seems like she really cares about her employees. So, um, she's like, this is a very dangerous, dangerous accusation. A man's reputation is at stake, you know, and I hope you have proof. 
And then Ed says he has his boy's word, and it's all over school. The principal says, Mr. Simon has won teaching awards in California. Ed says, just because he won some awards doesn't mean he isn't a pervert. Um, something like that is an illness. So, like, we already love fucking Ed, Randy Orton. He's a fucking dick. Uh-huh. So the principal says, Mr. Simon has never had a hint of impropriety. And Ed says, sometimes it takes a while for things like this to fester. And I'm like, it seems like you know a lot about closet homosexuality, <laughs> Ed. So, Read him for filth. Right. So tell me more about the festering illness you know so much about. So Ed is gay as hell. And it's like, so Randy Orton is totally daddy. We, I, mm. I would hope. So we find out from the principal that Mr. Simon is a widower and his wife passed away. Ed's like, sometimes they get married to cover their tracks. And I'm like, you mean a married man like yourself, Ed? So uh, basically it's canon at this point that Ed is a gay muscle dad. So the principal says she will talk to Mr. Simon and see if there's a misunderstanding about what Jason said. So Ed says if it isn't dealt with soon, then he will go to the newspapers if he has to. And she's like, don't do anything until I have been able to speak with Mr. Simon. Uh, And then Mr. Friel, Ed, is like, you have 48 hours. Which was like, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of like a... It's not like you're saying you have two days, you have 48 hours. It's right. kind of like you're on a time. like No, it felt like an ticking. action movie. Yeah. He's like, 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 that's the line that got him the role. They're like, all right, now say you have 48 hours. He's like, you have 48 hours. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're like, oh, you know, so we're going to cast you for that action movie where you say you have 48 hours. We're actually going to move that line into this other mo- like PG anti-bullying movie. Does that sound good with you? And he's like, well, whatever gets me paid. So cut to Andy in the schoolyard. And we hear old Andy's voice again, the narrator. I keep saying that. Meanwhile, I don't I just don't want to confuse anyone with old Andy. It's mm-hmm. like, so it's, like an, it's a narrator. So meanwhile, um, so he says, meanwhile, in my budding manhood, it occurred to me going steady with Mary could give me much insight. But first I had to bluff my way in. So Andy says he needs an ID bracelet, but he's not sure. Um, but I'm not sure like what an ID bracelet is. <laughs> right. I I thought I I don't know. I that those definitely weren't a thing. No, they weren't. When, and I'm not yeah. sure what an ID bracelet is anyway. It, I'm guessing it's just a bracelet that has a name I on think, it I think of it, like your beloved. Right. Before my time. So <laughs> it's like um, I think it's like giving a class ring or a letter jacket or something. Right. So um, Bruce Modak has all kinds of good shit on the inside of his jacket. He's like, want to buy a sundial? Like the fucking guy from Hercules? Whatever. Kind of like a... <laughs> some oh dude God. in an alleyway <laughs> that sells you watches, right? So he's like the playground hustler. <laughs> so um, Bruce says he doesn't have any that say Andy on them. So, okay, so it's something that has your name on it, an ID bracelet. Oh, so it's kind of like those keychains at like rest stops and or no, yeah. like, like uh, truck stops or like... Um, gift shops souvenir shop, yeah. yeah souvenir shops that have your name on them do the those probably always have your name on them oh yeah definitely <laughs> i'm so generic i'm in the bible i mean it's yeah my name's not on there at all ever sometimes there are but it's not usually spelled right right it has like the i the i yeah. Of y, yeah um so um uh andy's like so i guess i'll have to take my chances and he's like um Oh, no. So he's like, I'll trade. He's like, I don't have any money, but I'm willing to trade for the bracelet. So he gives. he's willing to trade three Mantle rookie cards. Um, Mickey Mantle was a player. I don't know much about baseball cards, but they're like rookie cards. I don't know. They're different. So Bruce says he might want to reconsider because it's the same bracelet he gave Mary when they were going steady. So and Andy's like, I'll have to take my chances. Right. And I'm like, does it say Bruce on it? <laughs> you can't give her that, dude. So um, and then old Andy's voice comes on. This is a fucking... 
ain't that a kick in the head? So then he's like, <laughs> he's like, um, so it turns out that, so the bracelet was probably like 10 bucks, he says. Um, and then he says, it turns out those Mano rookie cards are worth $100,000 now. Um, and I looked it up on eBay, and a man, one Mantle rookie card, like he's actually probably about right, like one Mantle rookie card goes for like thirty thousand or something like that. Oh my god! So three would be like about ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollars. So, um, yeah, the price of love. I don't. Yeah. I don't care, right? <laughs> so, cut to Mr. Simon's classroom, <laughs> and the principal says she has to talk to Mr. Simon. This is we were talking about this scene earlier, right? Weren't we? And then, um, so then oh, yeah. she's like, just I just need to come out with it. And then she asks if he's a homosexual, and she she says that she knows this is a revenge plot from Jason for getting him suspended, and uh, she's like, um, when you deny it, it'll I'll make sure everyone knows it's true. But uh, old Mister Simon is just quiet, looking out the window, and I think Ed Harris is such a great actor because he doesn't even say anything, but you can like see exactly what he's thinking, yeah. you know. So. Um, yeah, and then he says, suddenly I feel a great deal of empathy for young Jason. So he's really a good guy. Even when he's, like, getting accused of shit, he's living his best life. Yeah. He's, like, trying to, he's, like, looking out for the kids even then. So um, he says he doesn't see how his private life affects his teaching ability. Um, shouldn't the work just stand on its own? And the principal's like, this isn't about that. It would be so much easier if you would deny it and move forward. She's like, are you denying you're a homosexual? And he's like, I'm not going to justify that answer, that question with an answer. And I'm like, so, I'm like, that's basically like saying you are. Yeah. It's kind of confusing, though, because it's really, I don't think he, is he gay? It doesn't seem like a thing. I mean, he looks like Tim Gunn. That's I all I'm going to say. I think he's just an intellectual who cares about finer things in life, and all these ho-dunk losers can't fucking understand right. that. Right, and like, I don't know, like, growing up... I don't know if it's because I didn't really grasp what the concept of gay was, but if I were to see a guy like that, I wouldn't think like, oh my God, he's gay. I would just think that he's very, he's like a sophisticated kind of person, you know, like he's well-cultured, balanced, he's smart. I mean. Absolutely. So I totally agree. So then he's like, (coughs) I'm sorry. So he's like, I'm 57 years old. I've been a teacher most of my life. And I will not compromise who I am or what I am, title of the movie, bum, 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 for the likes of Jason Friel or his parents. So pretty badass shit. He's going to stand his ground. Yeah. So, though, I think this kind of seems like some new age Hollywood bullshit because realistically, like, would a man in the 60s do that? No. Like, you, you could go to jail and you would fucking get your, the shit beat out of you in jail. You don't even know. And also, um, since we were talking about Stonewall riots earlier, they would, when all the men that they would arrest at those um, clubs and stuff, they would publicly post their names in the newspaper every week to shame them. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a public shaming. Like, that was all part of it, was like silencing techniques. So you'd think like back then, like, no, you would just deny it and move on. Yeah. Right, but he's like, no, I'm going to stand my ground. So then, um, okay, cool, got it. So then cut to Mary Clear. She's smiling and walking through the hallways with her books, and it's all of her school that Andy and Mary are going steady. steady. So Dan goes to the geek corner to tell Andy that Mary broke up with Ricky Brown to be with him, right? So Andy's probably in for some shit because Ricky's a big bully on campus. Um, I bet Andy will stand up to him. That's what I wrote in my notes. I think that was probably like a first pass note. So next, Principal Bev goes to uh, Friel's house to talk to Ed again. 
So Mrs. Friel is like, if you're selling something, we're not interested. And I'm like, it's literally dark and it's raining. <laughs> that chick is not selling you nothing. So then uh, she's like, no, I'm not. So then Ed is in the garage walking and he's like working on a car. He's in a jumper. He looks very sweaty, dirty. It's hot. So, and I need to not be so thirsty about um, Randy Orton. So then the principal I know, is like, he's a homophobe. I, right. He's a horrible. Yeah, this is a terrible introduction to the to Randy Orton. He's like, that's a fucked up character. He just comes in like late in the game and is just like a total dick for the rest of the movie. So the principal's like, I don't think you know what kind of man Steven Simon is. So this is the first time you get his first name. So it's Steven. Steven Simon. So Ed is like, did he deny it? And the principal's like, he doesn't understand how his teaching record can't stand on its own. And Ed's like, sounds like a fancy way of not denying it. Which is absolutely true. Very so true. Ed is like, what did you expect him to do? Admit it? Uh, Mrs. Friel pulls the old it's in the Bible card. She's I'm like, okay, lady, you can just like step back, <laughs> like stay in your lane. And she says, this isn't about his teaching skills. It's about kids looking up to him. And Ed's like, did you know he gives kids rides in his car? And then the principal's like, haha, yeah, I gave him permission and he won a new car. So he was showing the children. <laughs> she walked right into that one. <laughs> yeah. And then Ed's like, um, well, then we'll know who to blame for that, won't we? And Ed is such a villain. He's the big fucking villain. Jason Friel is just like the spawn of the of the villain. Honestly, I feel like there's a reason he's a villain. I feel like he would be this way in real life. Yeah, right. He looks too much of a muscle daddy to be like progressive. In True. That kind of way. Okay, so then um, Bev goes off. And I love her. She's like, your son is trying to get back at Mr. Simon because he suspended him for whipping a little girl till she bled because she, because he thought she was ugly. And I'm like, fuck, that's so <laughs> fucked up and true. And then, and then she's like, this is such a great point. She's like, are you afraid of a kind, smart man rubbing off on him? You know what I mean? Like, dude, Jason could use it. So then Ed um, has a shit excuse. This is horrible. He's like, I whooped his ass real good for that. <laughs> And he's just a boy. He doesn't know any better. And I'm like, okay, Ed, he literally does know better because you beat him. So now he equates that with problem solving. And now he's a violent boy that you have for a child. And it's called the cycle of abuse, hunty. So I don't know. This family is way too far gone. This shit is lost on me. I don't even think it's funny. I think it's just fucked up. So the principal's like, y'all are whack as fuck and I'm fucking out of here. So she leaves and she's like, I'll see myself out. So um, cut back to Andy's house and it's dinner time. Andy's like, um, what if they don't let Mr. Simon teach anymore? And uh, the queen of this movie, Andy's mom, <laughs> is like, I don't think that will happen. And like, compare she like compares this whole thing to like the Salem witch hunt and the McCarthy communist hunt. And uh, Andy's dad's like, okay, Andy, um, have you ever seen Mr. Simon do anything weird? And Andy's like, weird how? And then Andy's mom's like, Jim. So that's actually the first time we get his name. But so now we know his first name. So Jim's like, what? He's going to hear about this stuff anyway. So uh, Jim's like, have you ever seen Mr. Simon touch a boy in a place he isn't supposed to? And then Andy's like, ew, no, never. And Jim's like, good. Then looks at Andy's mom and is like, dinner was very good. I'm going to the garage. So that was an exciting little scene. We know that he hasn't touched any boys. So so I guess that is kind of like a part of the plot. Like they, th I think they think that like if he's gay, he's like yeah. a predator, right? A pervert. So a pedophile. So um, cut to Stephen Simon. Stephen Simon. And he's in the principal. Oh, him and the principal had a diner together. Mm -hmm. And um, okay, so she's... She says that she's the first principal 
uh, female, like, woman principal in the county. And uh, I'm glad they included that because I felt like it was something I was thinking about when I was watching it. I was like, why is she a prince? Like, is a lady really be a principal back then? But, yeah, that's cool. So, nice little tidbit. I appreciate that. Go Bev. I think she's a lesbian. So, <laughs> Steven's, and she's like, Steven, please deny it. I'm trying to put two kids through college. And now I'm like, I feel like back then college was cheap. She could probably go work any other job and still afford it. So I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> still sad, though. It makes me wish he would deny it because it's like people's jobs are at stake. You're like, you're fucking with your friend, your boss, somebody who like worked really hard to get to this position. And you can't just like say one little thing. But I don't know, whatever. He needs to stand his ground because that's what that's what I, he is. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I was trying to like think I could like say it, but that didn't work that way. That's what I am. So Steven's like, um, it's for the children. I won't deny it, whether it's true or not. And then the principal straight up cries. It's like kind of a big old bummer. So um, cut to Andy, back with our boy Andy. He's in the school parking lot, and there's a for sale sign on Mr. Simon's new car. And Mr. Simon walks up and is like, Mr. Nickel, you missed your chance for a ride. And Andy's like, why are you selling the car, Mr. Simon? It's like, and oh, Mr. Simon's like, it's not economical. And he and he's like, why don't you just rent it out um, when you're not using it? And Mr. Simon's like, very entrepreneurial of you. And I'm like, I agree. You should hustle mm-hmm. that car. Like, you want it. I don't know. Like, why would you not want it? So then he's like, it isn't really my style. I was thinking he should go for something gay or like a Subaru Outback. So, um, um, yeah, if you really wanted to double down on this whole, drive this whole gay thing home. So he says he's going to sell it to someone hipper. Um, he opens the trunk and it's full of empty boxes. So Andy helps him move the empty boxes to his classroom. And he's like, don't you normally, he's like, don't you normally leave all your stuff in the classroom for the summer? And he's like, um, yeah, normally yes, but as it turns out, I won't be here next summer. Um, he has a sister in Florida who hasn't, he hasn't been able to spend time with, and he's ready for a change. So Mr. Simon's going to go be a gay Florida man. <laughs> Florida gay in Miami. So the bell rings, and Mr. Simon's like, you better get going. Wouldn't want to be late for homeroom. Okay, how come in movies, when the bell rings, it means you're going to be late for class? That, did you have a warning bell at your school? Yeah. Oh, mine was like, the bell rings, you have six minutes to get to class, and if the bell rings again, that means class started and you're late. You don't get like, you had three bells for your passing time? Or even in the beginning, of, even in the morning, no. There was no warning bell. You got me questioning my whole like school experience now because I thought no, it, there's you know, a in, in movies they're always like oh there's the bell better get to class I'm like wait you're already late. No, I think yeah, in my school it was like the, you knew what time school started and the bell rang to say a class was starting. Oh my god, I honestly cannot remember now. That's totally throwing me off. <laughs> I'm like I'm like Teacher I don't even know right now. Morning bell. So um, cut to Andy and he tells Dan that uh. Mr. Simon is leaving. So they sit down to eat lunch outside behind the school. And he's like, there's no proof Simon is a homo. Dan's like, then why is he leaving? And I'm like, boom, Dan, you're, you're a smart guy. That's a good point, Dan. Um, good point. So Andy's like, uh, we should all pitch in as a class and get him a present. And Dan's like, like what? And Andy's like, I don't know, something he likes. <laughs> and Dan says, my dad says that they're like girls. They like flowers and stuff like that. We should have known Mr. Simon was a homo when he told us he went to that ballet. Oh my <laughs> like, God. okay. Like, straight men don't dance in the ballet. Like, it doesn't take, like, it's, like, not athletic. It's not, like, fucking takes major strength. I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, don't, like, f- football players do ballet to, oh, like, yeah, be lighter on their that. feet? Yeah. So I'm like, what is this shit? So, and, yeah, that's what I mean about him enjoying art 
and the finer things in life, and he gets called gay for it. Right. Like, and he's like a widowed man. Like, just leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, oh, remember the flowers bit for later on. It comes, it comes important later on in the movie, right? right? So, um, Dan also says that Mr. Simon was his favorite teacher until the homo thing got out. I'm like, okay, Dan, like, you're just a fucking dick. So, Ricky shows up. Dan leaves. Ricky's like, are you and Mary going steady? And then Andy's a cuck and says, no, not if you don't want me to. And then Ricky punches Andy in the stomach and is like, I don't want you to. And then uh, just as Big G shows up, my man. So Ricky's like, get up, Nickel. I'll pound your face so bad Mary will think you're too ugly to go out with her. So Big G's like, leave him alone. and Just walk away, Ricky. No one will know. And no one, no one will believe it. And then uh, Big G knows how to finesse the bullies. He's like, um, he's like, just walk away. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think he he's in Ricky's psyche. He's like, Ricky's trying to like show that he's like alpha or whatever. And he's yeah. like, Ricky, like you don't have to do this. Nobody has to know. You can still just be the top bully of the school. Like, you don't have to actually. You don't have to. You don't have to keep doing this, Ricky. Like, you can be who you want to be. I don't know, whatever. So, um, Ricky's like, if you tell anyone uh, or go near Mary, I'll kill you. So um, I got another little clip here. This one's cute. So um, we'll catch you after. With the clock ticking down to the end of the school year, I figured if I could just keep a low profile, I could get out with my dignity intact. But Mary Clear would not be denied. It had begun. And as far as I knew, nothing short of running for your life could stop it. Mary was in the preliminary phase of what was referred to as the hover ritual. This was a technique in which the female of the species would travel in ever-tightening circles around her prey, enticing him to strike so that he would actually think that he was the aggressor, thereby ensuring his delicate male ego would remain intact. I wasn't fooled. I had to get out, and get out fast. Hi, Andy. I didn't see you. Yeah, sorry. I instantly started to sweat like a pig. She noticed, but mercifully pretended not to. So, uh, how you doing? Good. So, uh, so how you doing? She noticed I was making an idiot out of myself again, but forgiving beyond all reason, pretended not to. Barbara said you wanted to see me. Uh, she did? She said you wanted to ask me something. It was at that moment that I realized just how bad I wanted to kiss Mary Clear. So bad, in fact, that I forgot about Ricky Brown and the cruel ways he might kill me if I did. You want to go steady? You got an ID bracelet? Yeah. Oh. She studied the bracelet as if trying to estimate its fair market value. You bought this from Bruce Murdoch, didn't you? Yeah. It cost me three mantle rookie cards. She wasn't impressed then, but I'll bet she's reeling now. How many women possess a $100,000 ID bracelet in their junk drawer? Okay. Meet me at the end of the tunnel at 3. Don't be late. My bus leaves at 3.15. So, Mary has the ID bracelet from Andy. So it's pretty much official, right? Like they're fucking, they're in it, balls to the walls. So um, old air, uh, old narrator Andy is like s- kind of like a pretentious jerk. 
he's like fucking um talking about how his young delicate male ego is like hinged on mary and i'm like leave mary alone why is like why is everything have like it's not about yeah i don't know why you gotta be that kind of dude so i just feel like um and why is this like adult man looking back on his life like trying to like say that mary is like this um i don't know like what does that have to do with his male ego it's super weird so i think the kid that plays young andy is super sweet and charming so i like him but like every time old andy comes on i'm like shut up you're so creepy and old so <laughs> back in mr simon's class mr simon is reading out loud joan of arc again like start of the movie right boom so um but andy isn't paying attention he's thinking about uh kissing mary and there's this weird type like shot flashback to this cary grant movie it's like a black yeah. and white thing. And um, Andy uh, thinks Cary Grant and Mary LeClear look really good together, which makes him feel inadequate, is what the narration says. And I'm like, good together in what way? Like, as lesbians? Like, is that the sex dreams of the boys of the 60s? Like, black and white lesbian <laughs> fantasies with Cary Grant? It was all in black and white. <laughs> yeah, right? So um, we come back to the classroom as the bell rings like from his fantasy, and Mr. Simon stops reading... Joan of Arc, and he says, before anyone leaves, he needs their group projects on his desk. He's like, oh, I almost forgot. I need your group projects. I'm like, not like that's what this whole fucking movie's about. So, um, and then he says, also, tonight is a talent show, and attendance is mandatory. Tonight is the talent show! So, um, cut to the gym. It's sixth period. Andy is, what? Oh, we're not talking about the talent show. Not not quite. Well, we still gotta go, um, we find out in the clip that, um, Andy and Mary are going to kiss before she gets on her bus at 3.15. Right. So, um, and her, her bus leaves exactly at 3.15. So, um, Andy's running like a crazy person. He's running like a Russian dancer with like his arms like bent at a 90 degree <laughs> angle, like down. And he's like, bo, 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 like running along. It's super weird. And so the narrator says that he's trying to keep from sweating for Mary's sake. Um, and then he says, I wonder if God made man in his own, if God made man in his own image, does that mean God wears deodorant too? Uh, and I'm like, okay, first off, God is a woman. Uh, second off, um, it was uh, pit pit stain. Okay, he, yeah, he says um, something about did he just give sweat and body odor to to us so he can be the only guy without sweat rings? And I'm like, my pit stains do not go in rings, like perfect rings. That is so weird. Mine's just a puddle. I don't know <laughs> why would there be a dry spot in the middle. It's just like a wet area under your, under your shirt. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I I don't know. Maybe they're just talking about the puddle as a ring. Like they they don't. Oh, like the puddle's a ring. Yeah, like a ring of like just. I mean, he like should have said like circle. A filled in ring. Yeah, filled in ring. Right. So then he looks at the clock and it's almost three. So Mary's bus leaves at three fifteen. So then he changes out of his gym clothes and goes to meet Mary. So as he's walking there, all the dudes are like, yeah, Nichols, nice. Like everybody (laughs) fucking knows that he's going to fucking make out with Mary at the bus stop. And so, and all the girls are giggling and like looking over at and pointing. And so the narration's like um, going on about how Mary is, uh, Mary likes to hoe and how all the girls like to date boys who have dated Mary because those are the boys that know how to fuck. And I'm like, what the, what in the world is this movie? So they didn't, he didn't say fuck, but he's like, basically saying like they're the most experienced boys the ones that have been with mary clear and i'm like dude what is happening so dan comes up to andy and is like hey man bike racks that way and uh andy's like not having any of dan's shit and he's like thanks for the help today dan and dan's like because it was earlier when uh ricky brown came up dan just like walked away 
Um, Dan's like, uh, I don't think Dan's on your list of characters. No, he's not. <laughs> he ended up becoming like a very major point. I just like left him out. So um, it's because he doesn't get a bio at the end. So I didn't think to like put give, put him on the list. So um, Andy's like. Uh, um, he's like, what was I supposed to do, Andy? Get beat up with you? That makes no sense. I'm not a moron. Would you be friends with a moron? And I'm like, oh, good points, Dan. You're not a moron. Dan always is like coming through with the fucking truth, right? Mm-hmm. So Dan keeps it real, even though he's a homophobe. And he's like, forget it. I'll see you later. And Dan's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to meet Mary. Dan's like, Ricky will kill you. And Andy's like, I know, but I can't stop myself. Like, he really needs to get his dick in there. So, Ricky appears in front of Andy. I know. I know. They're children. It's so... I'm sorry. So, Ricky appears in front of Andy, and he's... um, Because there's, like, this tunnel. They're meeting at the tunnel, which is, like, the schoolyard. There's a little tunnel, and then the where the buses pick you up in like the front. the tunnel's literally, like, 10 feet long. It's, yeah. I it's, thought it was, like, going to be an underground tunnel. It's not. It's just, like, this, like... It's basically just, like, a an awning. Right. <laughs> but I don't even know if there's walls. It's just, like, pillars. So, um... And this is where Mary told him to meet. And this, he said it in the clip, or she said it in the clip. So he's like, you lost Nichols? Because I guess everybody knows that Andy rides his bike to school. And like, dude, the bike rack is not <laughs> where the tunnel's at. I'm like, dude. Um, so, and then Mary appears at the under, other end of the tunnel and shouts, let him go, Ricky. He's like, not even touching him. And then, so shit is heating up. And then Ricky's like, shut up, Mary. This isn't your business. And I'm like, it literally is, is her business. Because it's like... She's the one that created all this drama. It's the one they're fighting over. I thought Ricky was defending her, like "fuck off, this is my girlfriend." Don't, don't co- like, don't come around here no more, no more, no more. So I'm like, I was like, it is her business. You're a fucking dick. So then Mary's like, if you touch him, I'll tell the principal you stole thirty two dollars and quarters from the Pepsi machine. And here's my fucking thing: I don't think Pepsi cost twenty five cents in the sixties. I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I know for a fact Coca-Cola cost five cents until 1959. This is only six years later. Pepsi and Coke are competitive. They're not going to have like significantly different prices. Yeah. So. And no one buys, yeah, if there's $32 worth of quarters in that machine. I I don't even think those machines weren't even equipped to take quarters. They probably, they only took nickels i think or dimes maybe yeah that's what i'm thinking okay so the only way you'd be able to do it because if your pop machine if you're trying to raise the price and all your pop machine vendor dispensers i know this is like six years later but i'm thinking like if they only take nickels you can only increment it by five cents at a time right Mm -hmm. so i mean they'd probably be like 10 to 15 in six years i can't imagine it'd be all the way up to 25 but yeah i don't know and it yeah i didn't think of it like that but it makes sense yeah um it's kind of an interesting story the people that that looks like it was a separate company that wanted to bottle coca-cola um and coke was like that's never going to take off because they were selling syrup to fountain like soda jerks or whatever mm-hmm. and they were like but we'll sell you our syrup for a flat price and then it ended up being like this huge thing and so for coca-cola to be able to like still keep a bottom line instead of they um knew because the other people could like raise their prices but since coke was signed to this deal they had to sell the syrup at a flat rate so to keep the prices down because it was like the fucking wild west you could just do this they put billboards everywhere they had a billboard for coca-cola they would put only five cents on it so like you couldn't you literally couldn't sell it for more because it was like nationally advertised everywhere as being five cents so it was like burned into the psyche so i don't know what i don't know what's up with that (laughs) fucking quarters in the pepsi machine just another plot hole yeah just another plot hole Mm -hmm. um so ricky's like you're lucky nickel first the big rat 
now a girl. Am I going to have to fight mm-hmm. your mom next? Good one. He evolved <clears throat> from a rat to a girl. Yeah. Choose your fighter. When I see you again, you'll be alone. And then Ricky leaves. And Mary and Andy approach each other. And Mary's like, we're going to have to do this after the talent show. My bus leaves in one minute. Meet me back here. So he was all for nothing. This is a big old fucking strung out nothing. So we're at the talent show at night. Another SpongeBob reference. The and same episode, too. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Andy's looking for Big G backstage. He runs into Dolores with the stand-up bass. Andy asks if she's seen Big G. And she's like, yeah, I saw him in the parking lot. In the parking lot. Uh, Big G's standing outside with his eyes closed. He's, like, thinking really hard or something. Uh, Andy apologizes to him for not stepping in when Ricky Brown was squirting him with the water gun. Um, And I thought it was sweet of Andy to do that. So um, Andy's like, are you nervous? And he's like, yeah. And then Andy's like, you might be the bravest guy I know. And Big G's like, or the craziest. Uh, And then he asks if Norman uh, came or if he's there. And Andy's like, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him, but I'm sure he'll be here. And uh, Big G's like, yeah, funny. The smallest kid in school protecting the biggest. So really fucking sweet. I kind of teared up at that part. I was like, what the fuck? So, so Andy's like, yeah, well, well, we'll see you after the show, Big G. Or he calls him Stanley, whatever. Stanley Schmanley. So mm-hmm. now we're at the talent show. It's hype as fuck. Let's go. This is what we've been waiting for for this whole fucking movie. <laughs> so let's do it. So Darcy brings out, oh, Dolores. I don't, her name's not Darcy. I wrote Darcy. That's wrong. Brings out the big bass, and she. Now I'm questioning myself: Is it Darcy or Dolores? I think it's Dolores. So yeah, it's Dolores. So she's thank you. So she's going to play Beethoven on the bass, um, but she sucks ass, and she can't even get the first <laughs> note out. It's like all fucked up. It's not good at all. So and then Andy doesn't see Norman anywhere, so he leaves and takes off on his bike to go find him. So Andy knocks on Norman's front door, and Norman's like he's like a cynist but i appreciate his perspective he's like everyone's gonna be mean to stanley i don't want to go like i don't want to see my friend get his feelings hurt and he's like i don't want to see their faces i don't want to hear them laugh and andy's like maybe he really can sing right so norman's like yeah and maybe they'll make me king of the prom and i'm like very unlikely considering prom is like a high school thing and you're in eighth grade and usually it's a senior (laughs) that gets to win king or queen so i don't know um and then norman says uh my mom says stanley has something most people will never have he has dignity. And I'm like, true. We have no dignity. Everybody's just, I'm like, what is that? Everybody, like, what? Do you think you have dignity? I feel like I do. Like, I wouldn't do something horrible. Like, like yeah. I wouldn't let myself, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't go, like, scoop shit for $5 or something, <laughs> like, because I have dignity. I don't know. I'm just like, I think most people have some, like, semblance of dignity. So, um, Andy rides off to the back to the talent show. He's, like, riding all over town. Mm-hmm. And the talent show's back on. No time's passed, really. It's just a quick little jog. So next, this chick Janet is doing a baton routine. Um, she's got the whole sequin marching band type leotard thing on. Stars and stripes. Star, yeah, she's got the feather hat mm-hmm. that the marching people wear. You know all about those, right? Right. I was uh, I was in marching band for four years in high school. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's actually probably my fondest memory of high school. Oh, really? Did you did you do baton? No, I played my clarinet. Oh. Um, but like if Squidward. If there's any listeners out there in eighth grade who are wondering if they should do marching band, it's a lot of work. You're probably not going to like the practicing, but performing is one of the best feelings you'll ever have. Okay, so. I, I've heard of like horror stories about marching band, like people passing out in the heat, and, oh, yeah, and then happens. everybody just steps over you. Yeah, um, actually, 
I saw, um, I follow my old high school band on Facebook, and during the Memorial Day parade this year, which is always the hottest parade, uh, oh, yeah. they had someone like pass out during the parade, like oh fell God. and like people tripped over them and um, they had to be like rushed to the hospital. So it is a really dangerous um, sport that I feel like a lot of people don't recognize as being dangerous. And I think no. there needs to be a lot more um, openness to marching band. They're not all geeks. They I don't perform. know. It's pretty nerdy. It's not really a sport. <laughs> it's a sport, sweetie, but we, we can talk. Would about you guys that do like time. the, we can talk about that off mic. Yeah. So, <laughs> do the, would you guys do the thing where you like make formations that look like things like people like legs walking and shit, or you guys weren't, you were pretty ho-dunk school. You do shit <laughs> like that? I think we pretty much uh, stuck with like shapes. Did you get to, oh cool. Did you get to perform at Disney world or anything like that? Oh my god! Is so, it? I think uh, <laughs> I know it's gonna like trigger you. I think my band teacher could tell that the morale of the marching band was pretty low by the time I was like a junior. Yeah. And at the end of the school year, she got us all together in the band room, and she was like, "All right, seniors, I'm sorry that this won't apply to you, but I just wanted to announce that the band next year is going to go down to Florida and perform at Disney World." <laughs> And we were like, holy shit, like, oh my god, this is so cool. And um, that. But you, but you were a junior or a senior? I was a j- junior. So, so it, it would happen to my senior year during spring break. And um, I we never went. She, Wait, she never talked about it after that day. Oh my she god. She never brought it up. Dude, she sounds like a. What the <laughs> fuck? That's evil. I know. I think she knew a lot of people were planning to quit. And. Um, she said that and she literally never bring, brought well, it up again. I went to Disney World with my parents and my sister and my niece this past spring break and there was a marching band they were playing and like they looked like they were having the best fucking time of their life. Literally like ear to oh, ear I'm all sure smiling. They were. Yeah, but it was well, really fun. You get to like march down Main Street. I've never been to Disney Disney World so I was like, oh my god, like to perform there would oh. be so cool. And uh, yeah, we never went. That sucks. Well, we uh, could go sometime. It's literally like $100 to go for like one day. And sell a fucking lot. It's like more like 112 or something. My parents were telling me, because we went when I was like five and six, tickets were like $70 or something to get in for the day. Oh my God. I'm like, that's like Cedar Point prices. I know. And especially back when you were a kid, they were that expensive. So. Well, oh, you think that they, I mean, they're like, like, I don't know, 40 bucks more or something. 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 20, probably like 50 bucks more. That's quite a bit more. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. They got a lot going on there. I'm sure, right? I don't know. I'll tell you this. Magic Kingdom is kind of a little dumpy. <laughs> there was a bathroom with no paper towel in it. I was like, this is supposed to be Disney World, and there's no fucking paper towel in the bathroom. And it was so fucking crowded that it was, like, insane. Like, you couldn't even do anything. Yeah. See, if I, I went... go on Splash Mountain. Uh, it, yeah, if I went, I would need, like, the Fast Passes. I would need, like... The, like luxury right you luxury. can buy more fast passes i think your ticket comes with two i think or three and then you have to pick times on the app to use them so, oh so the fast pass doesn't apply to like every ride like you have to use one pass per ride yeah and oh okay yeah so it's like you get three and then you pick times and like it's kind of like movie times or whatever like sometimes fill up and you can and they'll be blacked out mm-hmm. um and so it's like okay so you plan out your day like oh at noon i'm gonna be we're gonna get in line for this and use the fast pass and then our fast pass for 3 30 we'll have this one and then our fast pass for 4 30 we'll have the you know what i mean huh 
and you get three, but I think you can buy more, or you can get the, like, Imagineer pass, or whatever the fuck, with the, I don't know what it's called, it's like the magic bracelet that everybody wears around, I don't know, whatever, forget it, so, <laughs> Disney's something else, Epcot's cool, though, I went there for my, the first time this past spring break, and I loved that, I thought that was great, that, that was, like, less busy, and it's, it's a lot more just, like, looking at shit, like, gardens and stuff, there's not many rides, mm-hmm. but there's booze, because Magic Kingdom's a dry park, you can't drink there. There's, oh, that's lame. I, I know. I think there's one, like, a, like there's a couple sit-down restaurants that you have to, like, have reservations at, and you can order drinks when you're sitting down, but, like, that's it. There's no, like... Yeah. Uh, uh, we went to Islands of Adventure Universals, too, also, and there, um, you fucking... There's just every 10 feet, there's a stand that's selling Heineken or whatever fucking else. I went to Harry Potter World and got oh, a fucking beer gosh. in the fucking Shrieking Shack and shit. It was fucking dope. So, I love the Shrieking Shack. I thought that was, like, because you can look up in, like, the rafters, and there's, like, mm-hmm. all different, like, there's, like, doors up there and, like, weird stairs that lead crazy places and stuff. Oh, I want to I wanna go to the Harry Potter world. My would... niece got, like, a little, um, like, a wand, and you can use it in the store windows, and, like, you do certain, like, movements, and it makes stuff happen in the store Oh, my windows. God, that's so cool. Yeah, oh the wands God. are so expensive. They're, like, $70 or something. My nerd ass would buy that shit. Yeah, you, like, go to Ollivander's, and you pick out your wand, and then... Yeah, it's cool. And um, the workers are, like, doing British accents and shit. It's cute. So um, so then everyone starts clapping along to the song. All right, we're going back to the, the yeah. movie. Sorry. So everyone starts clapping along to the song. It's a girl doing the, the baton routine. And I hate when people fucking clap along to the beat of a song. Everybody gets off beat. It's super annoying. It's, like, the worst. Just list. Just You don't have to participate. So then the girl throws the baton into the audience and hits some boy. And I'm like, which was like a total mean girls moment. Yeah, right. And th- but then he's like nice about. It. He's like, here you go. And like hands it back to her, and then she's like, ta da! And like poses. And I'm like, why does everybody in this middle school talent show suck ass at their <laughs> talent? So like in my middle school talent shows, I can remember there, there was bands and shit. I'm not gonna say they were necessarily great. They were mm. probably not very good, but they were like able to like all play together and like drum and shit. See, in my middle school, we Keep never beat. we never had a talent show. We had something called put in on the hits and. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it was like a lip syncing like show. Like you would oh, pick a song, Jesus. and you could like bring out a guitar and pretend to play the guitar, but sure. like you're not actually playing it. And oh my god, I just remember sixth grade. This was when I realized who the popular kids were. And um, these four girls, like the most popular girls in my grade, they <laughs> went out on stage. They had matching Sophie shorts on, like those really short shorts, and um. They danced to um, Low by um, Should Have Got Them Apple Bottom Jeans, oh, Jeans Boots um, with the Fur. Red Hot Chili? No. <laughs> Red Hot Chili? <laughs> no, no, no. It's. Um, I can't think of who did it. Is it by Fergie? No, it's like okay, some yeah. guy. But like they had Never like mind. they had the Uggs and everything. Jesus fucking Christ! Not the off-brand ones that oh, the paws or whatever. The paws? No, the it was the real Uggs. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like I'm like I'm kind of offended that this middle school talent show is such ass. Like it's literally like there are middle schoolers in the Olympics. Like middle schoolers are not like these skillless loser idiots. I was kind of like okay, because I get it. Like it was like a joke with the bass playing thing but it was like they just consistently were like yeah it's a da- middle school talent show i'm like this is a bad joke it's playing on too long okay so um oh this next part is this was like a big reveal for me i like gasped when i heard it but i guess it's like kind of pretty obvious now that i think about it so um 
And this is I uh, usually in the intro. This is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but usually in the intro I play like a trailer of the movie, but it gives it away in the trailer, so I'm not going to because I thought this was huge. So um, Stanley's outside, and Norman goes to meet him, and Norman's like, "Stanley, just tell me this. Why do you think you have to do this?" And Stanley looks at Norman and says, "Because I'm a singer. That's what I am." Did you see that coming? I should have. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, oh my god, he's a singer. Like, I love that. Um, so like, I was fucking crying. It's so fucking good, right? I just love, I love Big G. So, all right. Back at the talent show, a band is finishing up, and old Tuna Breath is emceeing, and she's like plugging her ears in the wings because it's just like it's like heavy metal in the '60s. I don't know what's happening. So, um, so we know it's bad, right? So the next up, a kid is gonna play drums. And everybody's like, oh, and we see this guy in the audience like put <laughs> cotton balls cotton in his balls, ears. Yeah. And, it, and then the drumming ends up being sick. It's like fucking dope. And the dude that uh, puts, uh, takes the cotton balls out of his ears and he starts like jamming. He's yeah. like, da 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 And then, um, and then Andy's like, uh, he doesn't stink. He's like, uh, says to Norman in the back, he's like, he doesn't stink enough to, uh, make Big G look good. You know what I mean? And, um, it's like, uh, no, honestly, like, what you want is someone to that's why they have like an opening act at shows is because you want someone to hype up the audience it's your hype man Mm -hmm. you don't want everyone to be asleep when you go out there like yes you want someone who's like like you can show them up but also like i don't know it's yeah you want someone like that's gonna get the audience like listening before you go on there right so i think it was good for him like andy doesn't know what he's talking about so this is good stuff for Big G. So the dude finished drum, finishes drumming, and uh, everyone starts clapping and cheering. Oh, and we can see Mr. Simon in the back of the auditorium. Uh, I know it's it's mandatory attendance, so we knew he was going to be there, but like it's worth pointing out. So, um, okay, so then Old Tuna Breath is like says Stanley is going to do an original song, and I'm like, I love Big G. He's doing an original song. So um, he walks out there, and people are laughing at him and whispering. He's really tall and cool. I get it. People are fucking. <laughs> Yeah, it's the usual. I know how that goes. So then um, old Tuna Breath comes back out, and she's like, he is singing without accompaniment, so we need to be absolutely quiet. So um, And then Ricky's standing up alongside at, in the auditorium, and he's got a tomato in his mm-hmm. hand. Uh-huh. And um, Andy follows up behind him and whispers to Ricky, if you try to throw that tomato, I will stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then Ricky says, you don't have the balls. So Andy kicks him in the balls. And I'm like, what a cheap shot, you fucking prick. So then, um, but I guess I got the job done, you know? Right. So then um, Andy says, now you don't got the balls. I loved that whole exchange. I fucking hated it. I loved it. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm like, all righty then. So Ricky straight up starts screaming. He's like, And there was such a long pause before he started screaming, which... Which, ah, and then he starts screaming. You I know. started thinking, like, is he screaming because he's trying to get like him in trouble? Right. Like, is that's... he trying to fuck up the performance? No, that's like, what I thought on? too. Like uh, when a soccer player like it's barely tapped, and they yeah. like, fall down crying, that kind of thing. Right. So everyone's looking at him, and then Mr. Simon goes over to him, and he's like, "Have you had a bowel movement today, Ricky? You're obviously suffering from <laughs> gas pains. Tomatoes will do that to you, you know. Boys, will you help my friend to the bathroom?" And so then uh, Ricky's friends help him out of the auditorium. And then uh, Mr. Simon's like, nothing to worry about, folks. The show must go on. And then Mr. Simon whispers to Andy, good job. So that's nice. Okay, so now it's Big G. Big G's going to sing, and he's really actually super good. I love his little song. Um, I think, 
yeah, I want it on my phone. I want to play it in my car. It's fucking. <laughs> I want to remix it. I, I do. Like, yeah, there's put it on the radio. So yes, God, yes. So um, uh, right. So then um, just like, uh, so I'm gonna play a clip of the song so everybody can hear it, right? But I just wanted to point out for me for for you to listen and right before um, Aunt Future Annie starts talking. Uh, Big G hits these notes and they're like so fucking beautiful. It's like this beautiful little riff that he does. It like fucking gives me goosebumps every single time. I swear to God, I love that part. It's the part where he's like, um, the answer is to clear your mind. You know what part I'm talking about? No, I think I was getting my laundry during this. Yeah, part. he's like, he's like the ants. I can't do it right, but it's really pretty. He's like to clear your mind. I don't know, whatever. So um, it's just a good little vocal riff. So uh, take a listen to that. Uh, note that beautiful little note, and we'll see you in a minute. Go ahead and dream. Don't be afraid to laugh when others cry. To live instead of die. Life ain't what it seems. So go ahead and dream. He's not bad. He's not Tommy Kenner, but... He's not bad. No, he's just brave. Cause life ain't what it seems. So go ahead and dream. Go ahead and run right into fear. The answer is to clear your mind. Big G had a very nice voice. If his voice had been great, it would have made it all so easy. The crowd would have stood and cheered him, a thundering ovation, but such was not Stanley Miner's lot in life. Look at his face. Look how happy he is. But oh, did he sing with passion, the joy freedom brings. Go ahead and dream, dream. He's, uh, so we listen to Big G sing, fucking dumb old, old man Andy fucking talks over him. We hate him. The end of the <laughs> song literally sounds like the fucking song they sing in Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Like, dream, 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 dream. I did not remember that. He's like, dream, dream, <laughs> dream. And it's literally like the song that Taylor Lautner sings to the kid to help him fall asleep. He's like, do you know what song I'm talking about? No. I haven't seen that movie since it was in theaters. <laughs> He's literally like, he's like, lay your head, go to sleep, dream, 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 dream. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? And Taylor Lautner is doing this? Yeah, he's singing, oh well, he's like God. doing flips and shit. <laughs> so, um, it's... and it's so cute. Big G looks so like relieved and happy when he's done and he takes a big bow and it's really cute and everybody's smiling. And then Karen Connor is in the audience crying. Mm. It's so cute. So the audience, yeah, we love her. Um. Yeah, she's the best. So she's got a thing for Big G, we can tell. So that old tuna bread that's crying too, everybody's really crying. It's like a big touching moment. I fucking almost cried. It was fucking huge. So Andy's narration comes over like um, with all this excitement. Um, what? Oh, he's oh, he's like with all this excitement, I'd forgotten about my date with Mary, right? And so then old Andy's like, um, she held, this is so weird. She held the faint wisps of my male ego in her hands, and I hoped she would caress them gently. Ew. Uh, 
Yeah. This is what I mean. It's just dis- like, oh, shit. And so I don't and I don't get what this fascination is with the male ego and how it relates to women in the movie. And like, I don't really know. Like, this is not the first time he brought it up. It's like been this consistent thing. It's like almost like the fucking theme. So seems like some involuntarily celibate thing. Incel as fuck. Incel, as, yeah. as others refer to it. Um, so Andy's like, so how's it going? Um, but then he's talking to Mary Clear. He's like, so how's it going? And it's like, are we going to do that whole thing all over again? Yeah. You already asked me that. But then he's like, um, no, forget that. Cute, right? Little callback to later. Little character growth. Love, love it. Awesome. So then he's like, can I kiss you? And she's like, sure. And uh, consent is key, y'all, right? So... And he goes in for it, but then the narration comes over, and he's like, no, I chickened out at the last minute and kissed her on the cheek. I thought that was kind of funny. You liked that? Yeah, I That did. was so fucking dumb. I thought it was funny. For one, it almost seems like uh, it's not really rewatching it. You can tell that it's just like he's saying it as it happens, but it almost seems like him saying it changed the reality because it's like they're going in for a kiss, and then he's like, mm. no, and then he kisses him on the cheek. And I'm like, when did they add this like little like thing where he's like the omniscient, like, puppet master of the mm-hmm. fucking story i was like okay but then that kind of comes in a little bit later i'll talk about it uh, in a second or in a minute well when i get to it so <laughs> no. so uh mary's like you've never made out before have you then the narration says something else about male ego and i wonder what woman hurt the screenwriter because he literally goes on and on about this shit and he like puts them all in his main character's fucking little mouth so mary's like want me to show you how and andy's like i'd like that very much and then the narrator says some more Hemingway bullshit nobody cares about clay molded by the artist tender touch I don't know it's a fucking lot too much for me really so Mary pulls out a stopwatch and Andy's like what's that about and she's like I like to time each kiss and I'm like okay girl I won't judge you because you're a middle schooler but like that's a little weird OCD thing or like just strange like that's out there for me weird data to collect I don't know what that I don't know what that was so um, Andy's like who is the record and it's Ricky Brown. Fucking Ricky. He's the man. So, and Andy says, if it matters, I can hold my breath underwater for a minute and a half. Like, nah, man, it doesn't matter. You can breathe through your nose when you're making out. Everyone knows well, that. he doesn't know that. He hasn't made out. Yeah. Breathe through your nose when you're making out, when you're sucking dick. If I can keep that gag reflex out of the way. <laughs> Jesus Impossible. <Christ. laughs> well, so, like, yeah. So then, um, I was thinking, this is what I was thinking, a long, uninterrupted kiss is fucking weird. Why would you want to do that? So, I don't know. Minutes long kissing, just like. But just keeps going and on and on and on and on. But I guess it's like a cute little kid thing, right? Okay, so then I don't, like, I don't, like I said, like, I don't want to rail on these kids too hard. Just kids living their lives. It's like a middle school thing. So then they kiss again, and the camera zooms in on the stopwatch, and it's like ticking. We hear like a ticking timer, da da da, and it fades to black. Ah, he got his first kiss. So, we're back in the classroom. Mr. Simon is reading fucking Joan of Arc again. So boring. I, and so then, <laughs> and I'm not even pretend like I was following along what he was reading because it goes on and on like this whole, pretty much like a whole two pages of this book. And I'm like, uh, I was like glazed over. So then he finishes and everyone in class is like captivated apparently. Yeah, they're clapping. Yeah. They literally like clap, clap, clapping. And I'm like, I don't know. I wish I was that sensitive to like cultural things when I was in middle school because I would have been like, I would have been in the back of the classroom like, Jonah Ark, more like Borovark, right? <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Um, Mr. Simon says he wishes everyone luck in high school and uh, they can pick up their reports as they leave. So um, 
Yeah, and oh, he says, all in all, each team did a marvelous job. So the bell rings, and people line up and get their reports. Uh, Mr. Simon tells uh, two boys that they did good on their project, and then they both say thanks at the same time. And In unison, s- yeah. Yes. I, was, I, I noticed that, too. <laughs> they sound like identical twins or something. It reminded me of, like, The Shining. Like, they're like, thanks, Mr. <laughs> Simon. Like, at the same time, they're, like, holding hands, and they're going to, like, turn out of the classroom at the same time, and, like, their feet aren't going to move. They're just going to, like, float down the hallway. Um, so then Stanley and Andy walk up, and they get their reports, and they got an A. Yay. Plus. Oh, an A plus. I don't. I don't have that. So that's great. Thanks for pointing it out. So then Andy's like, "Thanks, Mr. Simon." I'm like, "You earned that grade, Dick." So then, um, well, I don't know. That's me. I wouldn't like thank a teacher for giving me an A. Like, fuck you. Yeah. You owe me an A. I worked hard on it. Um, so then, uh, um, Andy's like, "What are you gonna do now?" Mr. Simon's like, "Well, uh, going to have to find somewhere else to teach, I guess." Um, which is just great. He's gonna continue his reign of homosexuality. Uh, teachings in another school preying on young minds it's disgusting it's disgusting and someone will call him out on it again trust me yes there'll be another randy orton in another town (laughs) ready to call him a homo so he says i am a teacher that's what i am i thought we're gonna say it at the same time no no it's okay i saw it coming though me too i know that one i saw coming the singing one caught me i was got me i was like Oh my god, like it felt like a realization for me. So the narrator says Andy and Stanley lost touch sophomore year when Stanley moved away. His torment did not stop in the eighth grade though. Um, Andy says, as for me, I'm a writer. That's what I am. Okay, this is what I was talking about earlier. So he says, with a pen, I can make brave men absolved of cruelty. And girls like Karen Connor fit the glass slipper. And Norman Gunmeyer, king of the prom. But I'm like, you didn't do any of that stuff. Because if you're writing this story, right, then couldn't you have just made Karen the, make, like, the like beautiful woman and fucking Norman Gunmeyer, king of the prom? I don't know. You, like, I, you made them all, like, these shitty, bummed-out nerds. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. Um, but that's what I was talking about earlier, like where he like is like no and like changes the kiss or whatever. I'm like, he could have done that earlier with the rest of the fucking movie. Like it was like your story to tell. It could have been anything. So um, all the people you talked about, what do you think? It's like it's supposed to be like a true story. So he's like telling the truth. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like he seems like he's an unreliable narrator anyway. So I'm like, but I don't know. I I didn't. That's what I'm saying. Like that moment with the kissing kind of made me feel like where's like the line? Is it like you're telling a story? Is it like, is it like you're editorializing the story a little bit? I don't know. Maybe I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Mr. Simon walks out of the parking lot and it's so cute. The students filled his car with flowers because that's what gay boys like. Yep, flowers. Absolutely. Flower, flower boy. Um, and it's He's blossoming. He's blooming. His bosom buddy. So it's cute. Um, his old modest car is back and it's not as flashy one that he got from the contest. So it's, and it's all filled with flowers. So they put a sign in the back window that says, goodbye, Mr. Simon. Um, the best teacher on earth. Okay, while this scene was happening, I just kept thinking, how the fuck is this guy supposed to, like, back out and, like, exit the parking lot? Like, he can't see out of his rear view window. All these flowers are blocking. Like, Absolutely. Was like, I was thinking that, too. I'd be like, I, I thought it was a hazard. No, I would think it's sweet, but then I'd also be, like, mm, a little pissed on the inside yeah. that someone filled my car with flowers because, one, that pollen is never going to get out, and I have allergies. <laughs> like, that shit would be fucking me up. Like, even if I had... You'd be, like, turning on the AC, and it's, like, pollen blowing your eyes. You're, like, itching them to death. They're, like, mm-hmm. fucking bloodshot to hell. And it's, like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be a little bummed out. Would you be annoyed, or, like, would you be touched, or both? I mean, 
there was a shit ton of flowers. I was like, I, I, I it was a lot. I, I almost felt it. like they like filled the car with something and then put flowers on top to make it look right. like it was filled. But that's, I, that's a production. You know, if people did that for me, I would like, you know, I'd be very um, happy that someone did that for me. But inside, I'd probably be probably be that's, like. I don't like, I don't like this. But <laughs> like, That's absolutely what I wrote. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'd be like touched, but yeah, it'd be like both. Like I'd be touched, but also inside like pissed. Like I wouldn't say anything about yeah. it, but I'd be like, okay, I have to go get my car detailed now. So, <laughs> or detail it myself cause I'm broke. So, um, then everyone on the count of three, uh, counts or everyone on the count of three counts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So they say, bye, Mr. Simon. And it's so cute. He takes off his hat and bows like a fucking G. So, and then Beverly, who always stuck up for him, loved that bit, is like, what a good boss to have, right? Love her. So then she waves goodbye to him, and he waves back. It's all very sweet. Then he gets his whip and rolls the fuck out of there. Get out of that fucking hellbound school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's on to bigger and better things. They fucking lost out with him. So um, everyone's leaving school now, and Andy gets on his bike and sees Stanley and Norman, and he says, hey, Stanley, see you around, which I guess is pretty real. But I, it makes me feel like everything that happened in this movie had no consequence. Like, they were partnered up, and then the end of the movie, they're not friends. Yeah. And Mr. Simon gets accused of these gay allegations or whatever, and then at the and end, he, he just moves. goes to a different school. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, it all felt like it was kind of like like a bunch of nothing. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't really... Like, it was, like, inconsequential. Like, I get they had growth, but, like, nothing that was, like, thrown at them would have actually had any weight in their lives, it felt Mm -hmm. like, at the end. So, I was kind of like, whatever. But what I meant by it seems pretty real was, like, a lot of... I think, like, we can all relate to, like, when you have a group project or somebody that you study... A group of people that you study with for a class, and you're like, oh, let me get your numbers. We should all, like, go out. We should hang out after this class, like, over the yeah. summer or over winter break, you know, or next semester. And then you never fucking hear from any of them again. And your group oh, chat just yeah. gets deleted. And well, like, I don't know. Like, it's not anything wrong. It's just, like, is what it is. People get busy. I just quit my job that I've had for, like, the past two years. And I just remember on my last day, like, people, like, I kept telling the people. And, like, people kept telling me, like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to, like you know, hang out. And I was like, yeah, like totally. Like I really wanted to, I really want to hang out with these people. But after I leave, like after I left, I, I haven't talked to anyone. No, I think it's just because you don't have the same connection that you had before. You don't have, you can't all sit around and bitch about the class and you you know what I mean? Like you have to fall back on the other parts of your relationship. And a lot of people just, there was nothing there. So they never had one. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah yeah so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, i'm sorry let me just get back on track here get a little ahead of myself uh oh, so you take your time yeah so then <laughs> yeah so andy <laughs> goes to mr simon's house right this was not something we expected and he knocks but no one answers so he just goes in not cool not cool at all not cool maybe it was different in the 60s but man this in 2018 someone could be in there zanned out okay they could be got a, <laughs> a, a, a assault rifle ready to kill you with it no, when he walked inside, I was half expecting like him to walk in on Mr. Simon and like some dude <laughs> like and like backing yeah. in the living room of their like gay home. They no. have like a sling and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those prop up pillows, um, like wedges. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's like Mr. Simon walks in and it's weird. So he's like in the house looking at all of Mr. Simon's knickknacks and stuff, and he walks in and he's like. 
oh, he's like, sorry, Mr. Simon. And Mr. Simon's like, no, no, I'm glad you stopped by. Would you like some tea? And Andy's like, no, I'm fine. And it's all kind of weird. Mr. Simon points to a framed picture of his wife and is like, mystery solved. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that doesn't solve anything. Randy Orton established that gay men marry women to hide their tracks. So, yeah, Ed is a gay hunter. He knows how they hide their tracks. He's a chaser. Check hunter. So um, Andy's like, what happened to her? Steven says she passed away. Duh, widower. Duh. So Andy's like, maybe actually Andy might have not known that. Um, I think the principal just told Mrs. Friel and Mr. Friel that. So I, it's fair. Fair analysis. So um, uh, it, it, it tracks. So Andy's like, I'm sorry. And then Steven says, uh, as a writer, I don't like to include melodrama in my work. And I'm like, seems pretty heartless, dude. That's your wife. Like, it is fucking sad. Yeah. And then I was like thinking, is this like the screenwriter trying to tell us that that's why this movie was so boring and nobody <laughs> died? Like, he's like, oh, I don't like to include melodrama in my work. I'm like, well, fuck. A little bit of melodrama might have brightened this thing up. Like, you can tell... We were getting a little bored with it. We were like going on and on about Disney World and marching <laughs> band. Like we were talking about anything else, please. So, um, uh, Andy's like, "Oh, but that's not why I'm here." Um, and then uh, Mr. Simon's like, "Really? Well, I'm intrigued." And then uh, yeah, Simon says, "Be intrigued." Simon says, "And this godforsaken podcast." <laughs> Simon says, "Keep it going for three more hours." <laughs> so Andy asks why he teamed him and Stanley up. Mr. Simon says there was an op- there's opportunities in life and this was one. And sometimes you just need someone to give it to you. And Andy's like, how did you know I was ready? And Mr. Simon's like, I didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all very wise, all very sweet. We love it. So that was they got their little wrap up mm-hmm. shit. So back at Andy's house, he's mowing the lawn again. This is the big full circle, right? <laughs> So he's mowing the lawn again. His dad comes out. Here comes Big Jim. So he's like, Andy, shut it off. Shut it off. And so um, he's like, let me show you how it's done. And Andy goes the fuck off. He's literally like, this part. he's like, he's like, I'm going to mow the lawn how I fucking want. I fuck you, dad. You're an absolute piece of shit. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Beat you beat mom. Yeah, you beat mom. You're fucking fat and ugly and mean and you're drunk all the time. And you smell like beer. No, I'm just kidding. You're not even my real dad. And you no. always wear your underwear around the house. <laughs> you wear your underwear around the house, and it's got fucking poop stains in the back of it, and it's gross. <laughs> and he's like, Andy, real, it's gay to wipe your ass. Real men don't do it. That Simon of yours, he probably don't got no street marks in his underpants. Uh, anyway, so just kidding. He's like, Dad, if, if I miss a spot, I'll go over it again. Once with the grain, and then once against, like a baseball field or a checkerboard. I like to mow the grass. I like the way it looks and smells. And if I uh, and I have my way of doing it, and you have your way of doing it. And if I if I'm done and I missed a spot, then you can call me a jughead or whatever. But please, just let me finish. Like yes, go off, queen. Please, God, yes. And so then, um, Andy's dad's like, okay, fine. Um, and so it's great. Andy's found his voice to stand up to his emotionally abusive father. It's lovely stuff. I, I guess I don't really know what note, what kind of somber note that's supposed to end on, because it's mm-hmm. like, mm, okay, and uh, it's kind of a dark tone to end the film on. I kind of thought, but yeah, that's the fucking end. It like pans out, and we see him mowing the lawn. So, and then this song called um, "Teach the Children" plays, and it's by Crosby, Still, Nash, and Young, and they don't use the Oxford comma between Nash and Young, which triggers me <laughs> so um it's kind of a catchy song it's like goodbye 
teach. Blue sky. No, it's like Good a goodbye you. teacher, right? I mean, it kind of hits. It's kind of on the nose a little bit, but I appreciate it. But here's the fucking thing. That song came out in 1970. Oh my god. Is that, that's a fuck up. Like this movie has a lot of yeah and time like, period for fuck a, ups. Right for a period drama, it's all over the map. So and it's like. Whoever got the final say on that should be fired. And if it was like a group effort to pick that song, because it's a good ending song, like it fits the it like fits the genre and everything. It's like right on the nose. Goodbye, teach. No, it was a little like group fuck up. People, that was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So, um, the movie's over. Whew. <sighs> we can take a breath. I was fucking up there. I was zooted out reading this shit. So, um. Then the credits show, and it's these black and white, like, school pics, like, pictures of school and shit, and then in between those, we get, like, bios of the characters, because this is based on a true story, right? Mm-hmm. Remember? Uh-huh. So I wrote them down, so we can read them. We can read them back and forth if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So there you go. You can start. It's where it says Andy Nickel. Do you see it? Yeah. Andy Nickel is a writer. That's what he is. He's been married 32 years his longest relationship since the five weeks with Mary Clear. He has two beautiful daughters. I don't get that. Is that like him trying to say he's like a player? Like, um, he's like, none of my relationships besides one of my wife lasted five weeks. Like, I think they were just trying to tie in the fact that he lasted five weeks with Mary Clear. Right. So it's like, oh, a nice little thing. Like, oh, and we see a picture of the actor, Andy, that played Andy, the kid. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like, I was kind of like, oh, why didn't they show like a real picture right. of Andy? I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, they're trying to stick with the you know the movie like the continuity or like the image or the movie you know what i mean the 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 world building like this is andy right so i was like okay yeah all right for sure and then it says uh norman gunmeyer teaches physics at harvard he married a co-ed half his age and they have seven children he and stanley are still close and at this point i was kind of like okay it's a little unbelievable norman's the nerd and then he teaches at harvard and he's like um a nerd and he gets this hot wife that's like half his age mm-hmm. right um oh here read the next one yeah the harvard thing was when i was like a i was kind of like bit yeah. skeptical you know we're tracking it here um mary clear no it's t- the bruce Nodak modak one. Oh, it isn't you read stanley's right i read um norman what's after norman wait why are you skipping around did i skip one you read stanley oh shit no. i missed stanley's I'm sorry. Okay. Go back and read that one. I'm sorry. Stanley Miner dedicated his life to helping underprivileged children. Then one day, he won $41 million on a lotto <laughs> ticket and married Karen Connor. <laughs> they live in the south of France with their three beautiful redheaded yeah. children. Right. And there I was like, that's kind of cool that he won the lotto. I was like, mm-hmm. that's pretty lucky. Um, wait, we did the Norman Gummeyer one, right? So then... Um, Bruce Modak. Okay, this is where I was like, this is a fucking bunch of lies. So Bruce Modak is a commodities trader and lives on his yacht moored in Tampa Bay, Florida. His girlfriend of three weeks is a Swedish supermodel named Yvette. I'm like, this is fucking fake. You're just Mm -hmm. taking what they did in the movie and making it translate to when they're older because he was like the kid that sold them shit Mm -hmm. and now he's like a commodities trader. I'm like, this is just some fucking bullshit fanfic that you wrote. And then, honestly, I've thought this next bio was a little bit rude it's so fucking mean that's when i realized for sure it was fake um mary clear teaches sex education (laughs) at a junior high school in a suburb of cleveland she has been happily married four times 
Andy's ID bracelet is in a box in her attic. I feel like this movie just keeps trying to push in our face the fact that Mary is a slut. So, of, of course, she teaches sex, teaches sex ed. Ed, education. And, then, and she's been married four times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. It's good that she kept the bracelet, I guess. It's, in a, it's creepy, I think, a little bit, like... Why are you so obsessed with him? He's married. I feel like, I don't know, I would keep he has like. Three beautiful daughters. Two beautiful daughters. I don't know. Um, so. Oh, I skipped Mary's again. I'm sorry. Because um, I would have been. I think that would have been mine. You would have had Bruce. It doesn't matter. So Ricky Brown becomes. Ricky Brown became the leader of a motorcycle gang that rivaled the Hell's <laughs> Angels called Reaper's Bastard Sons. He is currently serving 10 to 15 years in federal prison for armed robbery. Like, cool, the ner- the bully is a fucking criminal. Yeah, no development whatsoever. No, it's just dumb. None of them had development. They all Never, ever do you end up being the same person you are in middle school when you're an adult. Like, and life just doesn't... I know. When life gives you lemons, you don't just do the same shit you did in middle school. You know. make the fucking lemonade. You make that lemonade. You make a vodka lemon. <laughs> Uh, Jason Friel smoked a disproportionate amount of marijuana for a man of such small stature and was never heard from again. So dumb. I'm rolling my eyes. Okay, is this movie PG? Yeah. Okay, I feel it's so like... Not, it's so inappropriate. It is very inappropriate. A bunch of these are inappropriate, I think. Um, yeah, I think they're weird. Like, the stuff about the supermodel and shit? I don't know. So, yeah... Um, also, marijuana wouldn't do that to you. Like, what is he? I don't know. It seems like someone who doesn't smoke weed. But it goes to show, if you don't smoke weed, you can get fucking movies written and shit, and people actually want to talk to you. Well, I feel like it would fit the whole cliche of an anti-bullying, like, movie. If you're going like, to make the one. get their just desserts. They're fucked in. Well, like, Losers if, at the end of the day. If it's, like, a movie to teach young children not to bully, I think to throw in, like, oh, if you smoke marijuana, this will happen to you. I feel like it just fits <laughs> the whole. You'll disappear. Yeah, <laughs> you'll disappear off the grid. So, um, yeah. Um, cool, we kind of talked about this stuff. So, uh, I, I, oh, I guess I'll say this, too. Um, I, maybe they, I thought maybe they were kind of trying to go for, like, a somber ending with, um, uh, Andy and Stanley, like, stuff doesn't always work out, but you grow in the end. And I would have been cool with that if the whole movie hadn't been, like, building up to their friendship. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if they had been about other themes and that was just, like, this side thing, but it was almost like this big not payoff, I thought, like. But I don't know. So now we can rate the movie. So we're going to rate it rate it 0 to 5 ID bracelets, okay? So just to give you a little breakdown for the picks so you know which one you want to which one you want to pick. So five ID bracelets is like you want to marry the movie. Like you want to build a life with this movie. You want to buy a grave plot next to the movie. You want to live and die together forever. Right? Okay. Four ID bracelets is like you get married to the movie. You maybe have some kids. Well, you have some kids. You get divorced, but you still are in each other's lives because of the kids and you kind of maybe have this off and on sex thing, but like, you know, ultimately (laughs) you want to be with somebody else because you know it won't work out. So it's like you got a business the rest of your life, but it's like you're not you're not invested. Um, three ID bracelets is like is like you gave up a hundred thousand dollars in mantle rookie cards to buy a ten dollar ID bracelet for the movie. <laughs> okay, two ID bracelets is like like you're Bruce Modak and like you bought an ID bracelet at the corner store for ten bucks. Like it's not a big deal for you. One ID bracelet 
is like you're the owner of the corner store <laughs> and you like bought a wholesale of a bunch of ID bracelets and your business not is not hinging on selling these. But like they're cool and you think you'll probably sell them. It'd be cool if you did because you make some money. Um, zero ID bracelets is like you think this movie's ugly and you want to make it bleed with your jacket zipper. Oh my God. So zero to five. And we do um, averages here. So the average between both of our scores. But you can go first since you're the guest. Oh my gosh. Um... I would say, based on the message of this movie and what it was trying to accomplish, I would give it four ID bracelets. Four out of five? Okay. Yes. I think that this movie, compared to a lot of other movies that are supposed to teach you about not to bully and everything, yeah. I thought it was a pretty pretty good movie. I, I wasn't like... I, I wasn't like extremely bored with it. Yeah. Like I it like kept me entertained. Clips long. And um well, I don't know if this is uh allowed, but my original score would have been three ID bracelets, but with like someone took another ID bracelet and then like they <laughs> tore off the ID. Oh we can and do you, abs. and you only had the ID. Okay, so I would have three bracelets and then one just the ID thing, not like the chain. Okay, so like three and a half ID yes, bracelets? Yeah. Cool. All right, well, I'd give it three ID bracelets. Like, I would buy this movie um, an ID bracelet for $100,000 in Mano Rookie cards. Um, so what's what's the mean of three and three and a half? 3.25. 3.25. Yeah. Okay, so the, the final score for this film, that's what I am, is 3.25 ID bracelets. Good job. Thanks, Matt. Good job. Um, the, who's the wrestler? Oh, Randy who's... Orton. Good job, Randy. Yes. So um, there's a couple like IMDb things we could talk about. There, there's not many that I thought were very interesting. So um, this is kind of cool, though. Um, the movie opens on May 17th, 1965. That's what the date is written on the whiteboard or on the blackboard when he's reading the Joan of Arc book at the very beginning, uh, Mr. Simon. And then later on in Andy's house, we hear the news report on the TV. It sounds like Walter Walter Conkite, Conkite, and he's uh, clearly heard narrating a retrospect of the events of the Tet Offensive that began in January 1968, and the Battle of Kai San, Sane, I don't know, that ended in July 1968. So it's just like that's wrong. Um, also, the film was uh, filmed in L.A. and New Orleans. And New Orleans is where 12 Rounds was filmed, which is the first movie of um, that we did with Kelly Curran. So if you haven't heard that one, you can go back and listen to it. Oh. It's the second time I plugged that one. <laughs> and that's it. They're all really, That's all there really is to talk about. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever done. Yeah, it's my done. first. Well, not my first episode, but this is the first one I've ever done, too. So we're all It's pretty chill. That's fun. Yeah, I'd be it. cool to have you back on. We could do another movie sometime. Um, definitely. Sweet. Is, did you want to plug anything, like your Instagram or anything? You don't have to, but some people like to. Um, One day, maybe I am going to release music. Yeah, do you have like a SoundCloud or something you would do that on? Um, I do have a SoundCloud. Um, it's Matt... IRL, but Matt, as in like Matt texture, so it has an E at the end. Um, is it all one word? It's either all one word or there's an underscore <laughs> between Matt and IRL. Well, try both. Um, yeah, definitely try both. Um, yeah, I have quite a few things that I want to release this Sweet. year. So yeah, if you like gay shit, you'll love it. Awesome, and people love gay shit on this podcast because it's mm-hmm. like basically all we talk about. 
do like a gay movie and if it's not a gay movie you you sure as hell we're gonna make it a gay movie mm. so awesome we'll catch you guys next week thanks for listening catch you on the flip side bye love ya